Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I think everyone should leave Eric Stoltz alone. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. It sure seems like these superheroes can wreak a lot of damage without facing any consequences. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. I only have one question for you, gents. You ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight? Oh, Why, yes. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the Filmcast, we are going to be reviewing The Flash. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, and support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. You can also uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at the Filmcast Pod. Find us on TikTok at the Filmcast. Uh, we're posting new videos there basically every day. Uh, and we hope you will uh, find us on those platforms. Uh, I mentioned earlier our Patreon. I do want to call out a few things. Patreon.com slash filmpodcast, where you can find ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks of this podcast, uh, this week on the After Dark, we're planning to cover Extraction 2, the newest Tyler Rake adventure streaming right the now The return of Tyler Rake! Yes! Indeed. Tyler Rake. <laughs> you can't keep him down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, next week uh, on the After Dark, we are going to be covering Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson uh, movie. So Wes Anderson! You can't keep him down. <laughs> Lots he he to- cheats death once again. That's Wes Anderson. <laughs> Lots to discuss there. So yeah, be sure to sign up at patreon.com slash film podcast. And also, I want to mention that uh, when we can this summer, which has been multiple times, we're delivering you our reviews early on the Patreon. So all patrons get our reviews early. Our Flash review was posted early at patreon.com slash film podcast. We're planning to do the same for our Elemental review next week. Um, just a little extra bonus for people who support the podcast. So again, patreon.com slash film podcast. That's where it's all happening. On that note, on that note, uh, you know, we on the Filmcast were able to enter the Speed Force and record our review of The Flash earlier than the rest of the episodes. So we're actually talking to you from the future, from the perspective of our review, which is our past selves. And we did get a couple comments on that review. Um, somebody pointed out. Wait a minute. We're going to talk about the comments for our review, and most of the people haven't heard the review yet. <laughs> that's that's absolutely correct. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But Narushi wrote in a patreoncom podcast. For what it's worth, yeah. And because I know you care about this stuff, Muschietti is pronounced Muschietti, not Mus- Muschietti. Muschietti. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. It wouldn't have bothered me if you hadn't said it so many times in the first few minutes of the review. So that's fine. In the review that you're going to hear later this episode, we <laughs> pr- mispronounce. Andy Muschietti, who is just the like direct- the Flash, we have gone back in time <laughs> yes. to correct our future mistakes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So sorry about mispronouncing Muschietti. In I've, the- I've literally heard so many people say Muschietti, like on mm, other yeah, on no, same, broadcast video. So I agree. But hmm. but Narushi links to a uh, a New York Times video okay. that that the director himself made, All right. saying his own name out loud. Well, the good and, news uh, is <laughs> people are still going to be able to hear it, or as we call it, the Machete Cut. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Anyway, uh, looking forward to delivering your review of the Flash later. You should just uh, replace every time we say machete with Muschietti. Yeah, just just record yourself one time saying (laughs) it and then use the same same clip every single time. Indeed, indeed. Well, yeah, these are the bonuses you get as a patron. You get to correct us in the main episode of the show, you know? So, like, that's that's a, a huge bonus that you get. So, all right, folks. Uh, before we get to what we've been watching today and then uh, our review of The Flash, there's a few major 
movie stories that I want to discuss. And the first one is that uh, this, in my opinion, is one of the most consequential weeks of the box office yeah. of 2023. It's bleak. It's bleak out there. Basically, the big news is that The Flash tanked at the box office. It made around $55 million at the box office. That came in significantly under projections, which were already quite soft for this movie. Um, $55 million. If you want to gauge what that is roughly, that is about as much money as Green Lantern made when that movie came out in opening weekend in 2011. And that was widely regarded as a massive failure in the superhero film industry. Uh, A lot of people have been comparing it to Black Adam. It it seems like Black Adam is now the yardstick of a bad (laughs) movie performance now. People are like, it did even worse than Black Adam, uh, which I think is kind of mildly. That is actually very rough. Yeah. Black Adam made around, I think, $67 million in its opening weekend compared to the 55 that The Flash made. Uh, And to compare that to recent superhero movies that are in theaters, both Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and uh, across the Spider Verse, both made around one hundred twenty million dollars in opening weekend. You know, generally when you release a superhero film, you want to crack like a hundred million dollars. So the fact that the Flash came in at fifty five million dollars, very rough. The movie cost around two hundred twenty million dollars to make, um, probably anywhere between fifty and hundred million dollars in marketing. This is going to be a pretty rough one for Warner Brothers and. Uh, They have choppy times ahead, too, because they still have two other movies from kind of the old guard to release. Uh, Blue Beetle coming out in August, if that even comes out in August at this point. That that movie Um, is cursed. I feel bad for that movie already. Jeez. That's that's an uphill slog for that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Aquaman 2. Uh, Aquaman out. 2, I think, mm-hmm. you know, has the Momoa factor. Yes. So, yes. you know, I wouldn't bet against Aquaman 2. That Blue Beetle, though. No Momoa in that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's really tough, and there's many reasons why this might have been the case. Um, but whatever. One thing, by the way, also, you know, we recorded our review of the Flash before all this happened, and uh, the Cinema Score came out for the Flash, and it was B. It had B Cinema Score, which is very low for a movie of this kind. So people didn't like the movie generally. You know, like uh, general audiences yeah. hmm. didn't enjoy the flash and so um for a wide variety of reasons you know the flash was delayed obviously the star of the movie is accused of committing many crimes like there's many reasons why this movie might have done poorly uh but yeah this is kind of a a rather ignominious end to the snyderverse of films in my opinion uh and you know it's not the end yet because maybe aquaman 2 is going to come out and do well maybe blue beetle will do okay i don't know but like yeah I, i guess what you know do you guys have any reactions seeing the flash well, I, I had badly. this very low on my mm-hmm. on my top ten summer movie wager list uh, and moved it up because people were like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's gonna be it's so good, it's getting such good buzz." I moved it up like an idiot. Like an idiot. never trust CinemaCon reviews. Just yeah, never. None of the hype. True. That's none the, of the that, praise. That's the never. great takeaway. Great takeaway to enjoy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that my summer movie wager is in ashes at this point. It's, <laughs> I, I put The Flash at number four. I put Spider Verse at number six. Um, Spider Verse might be number one. Mm-hmm. Flash will be lucky if it is yeah. even in the top ten at all. Y- you know those those things in between the Flash <laughs> and the Lightning Bolt that gave him his powers. That's your summer movie wager. Just yeah. like yeah. exploded. It's, it's in a really terrible, terrible. State, Peter is so. uh, looking like he might have a repeat. Mm. <laughs> Get it? Because his name's Peter. Terrible. terrible. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's looking. He's sitting yeah, in the catbird Peter, seat right now. Peter is looking in a very strong position. But you know, anything could happen. You know, anything. Could, there's still a bunch of movies left to come out this summer. And getting number one dead yeah. on, getting number ten dead on. Elemental could real... get some legs, guys. Come on, okay, come on, well, Elemental. That's, that's the second story to talk yeah. about, right? Which is well, none elemental. of us are going to get number one dead on unless mm. all of us get number one dead mm-hmm. on, right? That's right? That's right. That's so yeah. doesn't matter. Elemental was released this weekend. And it also did very poorly. It made around twenty, uh, like thirty million, twenty nine point six million dollars over. This breaks my weekend. heart, man. Yeah. Um, so that is really low because the thing with Pixar movies is they are extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pixar movies generally cost around two hundred million dollars, and this one was no different. It cost a, a lot of money to make around two hundred million dollars, uh, and yeah, th- th- twenty nine point six million dollars a very sad opening for an original animated film in theaters. Now, we've had some big animated films in theaters this year. The Super Mario Brothers movie, Across the Spider-Verse, uh, those are all based on massive IP. Elemental is not. Um, there's many reasons why Elemental might have performed poorly, but that's probably one of them. And uh, we are going to review Elemental later on in the podcast. Uh, but yeah, this is a huge bummer for... You know, it, it's it was not too long ago, guys, when... Being a Pixar movie meant it was definitely going to be a hit at the box office, right? Like five, six years ago, that was the case. I think that thing that made Pixar movies feel special has evaporated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, like, we've gone through a long run of just so-so Pixar movies. Like, pretty pretty good. Some not so great. Um, I I will say this. We're going to be reviewing Elemental next week, right? But if you care about good movies in theaters, you should probably go see Elemental in theaters. It's, uh, It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, this is the thing. I, I was not. Uh, well, we'll talk about my feelings. I think I'm mm-hmm. probably less positive than you, Divindra. But I still think people should go see Elemental. You should go theaters. see Elemental theaters. You know? Yeah. Uh, my wife was saying to support the nonprofit that is the Pixar Corporation, <laughs> which is a subsidiary of Disney. But yes. yeah, I, I, I'm very saddened by Elemental's sad performance, mm-hmm. and um, y- you're right that they've had some hits and misses over the course of the last few years. Luca, Soul, Turning Red probably could have done well in theaters, but it never got yeah, a theatrical Yeah, a lot release. were streaming. All so, those movies yeah. that I just mentioned went straight to streaming. Lightyear came out in theaters, didn't do very well. Uh, Lightyear, I think, just a massive miscalculation in a variety of ways, like a creative miscalculation. You know, uh-huh. not a very good movie, but also like a movie that had a complicated premise and then didn't live up to that premise. Now you know, like, did... two more Toy Story movies coming. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you. It's going to be Toy Story 9 and The Incredibles 15 and Monsters Sorority or whatever it is. You know, like whatever it is next, like Sorority. <laughs> Monsters Retirement Home. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, going to be, they're going, going to probably go back to the hits. We're going to see a regression to the mean. I'm, and that's uh, very unfortunate. Yeah. I'm just pontificating here, but I, I wonder if there is a knock-on effect of the Disney plus of it all mm-hmm. yeah, uh, in yeah, that. Yeah, I think absolutely. a lot of parents probably go, Hey, I can take my kids to go see elemental or like three weeks from now, we could all just watch it at home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Or, I guess... or, or even more extreme. Why isn't it already on Disney plus, which is yeah. what I've been conditioned to feel after right. the course of the last three years where all Pixar movies have gone straight to Disney plus. Yeah. But I, I think that, I mean, that didn't stop super Mario brothers. So I don't know, but right. You right. Know. So I think Pixar needs to, you know, assuming they even continue releasing movies, this expensive in theaters, going forward yeah which may not happen uh pixar needs to do more to make its movies into events right like into events like super mario yeah. brothers movie that is an event that's a massive well event, i think the know? problem with that is that 
people think that event is code for known IP. Yeah. And that's the problem because Super Mario Brothers is an example of that. And I think you're mm -hmm. right that Pixar is going to be like, oh, oh, we need a hit. Let's mine the same mine we've mined for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Time for the Pixar multiverse movie, guys. (laughs) You know it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I have seen the trailers for Elemental at this point and I don't know that they did a great job of marketing this. You know, like, I, like I don't think it's the, a tough movie to sell. It's it is definitely is. It definitely tough is, for know? kids. Um, yeah, it's. A, I feel sad about this. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's a huge bummer, and uh, I, I, I definitely wanted this movie to do better because I think we want movies like what Pixar makes in theaters. We want original movies that aren't based on existing IP that really take big swings that try to tackle. Uh, the nature of humanity, what it means to be human or what it means in this case to be an element, you know, like we want those movies in theaters and audiences have just said, no, we're not that interested. And that's a huge bummer. So uh, anyway, I I think there will be probably significant blowback, significant consequences as a result of this. Um, Less so for the flash because like James Gunn, uh, James Gunn's name is not anywhere in the flash credits he's he was not associated with that movie in any way basically yeah yep. um, actually the flash being a massive hit may have been more problematic mm-hmm. yes yeah. <laughs> just because like what do you do next after that right right so he was part of the old regime now james gunn's trying to create a new version of the dceu so uh so i think there'll be less consequences it's just like oh well they're going to take a massive loss on mm-hmm. this thing but for elemental i mean i think there's going to be some real soul searching at disney disney is under extreme pressure to cut costs right now and spending two hundred million dollars on a movie that's barely going to crack one hundred million dollars domestic, it's just um, it's, so it's just sad. not going to be a viable model going forward. So I don't know how many mm-hmm. more at the bats they're going to get at this scale. Do, do um, you guys think uh, Mark Harris on Twitter uh, pointed out like you know the Flash has been on TV for almost a decade now? People have had people who want the Flash have been able to have their fill of the Flash. And the whole DC like multiverse and several shows and other things there. So, do you think that had an effect here? I don't yeah. know. I mean, they were marketing yeah. it as a Batman movie, so I don't know. Yeah, they were. There are 184 episodes of The Flash available to stream yes. at home. You don't need to leave to go to the theater. Apparently, they've done this version of the, this story that was in the movie mm-hmm. uh, in the show as well. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a significant dampener. Now, obviously. I don't think any of us have watched a single episode of this show. Is I, I have watched some of it. It's fine. It is a TV superhero show. Uh, it is funny that Ezra Miller's Flash got his name by see, by meeting up with TV Flash. So that that was a whole thing that happened. Mm, oh, that's right. That's right. Completely um, unacknowledged in the in the actual movie. Yeah, uh, we did get some comments on the Patreon saying that the TV show arguably does some of the things the movie does uh, even better. So I do think that was definitely a factor to Indra. It just it just seems like the perfect storm mm-hmm. of things where, hey, this version of the universe is not relevant anymore because of James Gunn and taken over. Ezra Miller, the star, is hugely problematic. And uh, and by the way, there's 184 episodes of this available to watch at home already. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, people weren't uh, buying what this movie was selling. So anyway, bloodbath at the box office this weekend. Bloodbath. Um, speaking of bloodbaths. Disney announced a bunch of movie changes. Now, you may or may not be aware, but the there's currently a writer strike going on. Uh, studios are refusing to accede to writers' very reasonable demands about their working conditions, and so writers are striking. Stuff's not getting shot and made, um, and the delays are already beginning 
Um, so there have been a bunch of shakeups to Disney's release calendar. I'm going to list a bunch of them right now. There's a live action version of Moana that's now going to be released on June 27th of 2025. Deadpool has moved up uh, from November to May of 2024. And there's going to be an untitled Star Wars movie debuting on December of 2026. But the big news for this podcast is Avatar has shifted back in time by multiple years. Specifically, Avatar 3 was originally supposed to come out in 2024. Uh It's now going to be coming out in December of 2025. Avatar 4 is going to be coming out in December of 2029. And Avatar 5 (laughs) is going to be coming out in December of 2031. That means that the final Avatar movie, Avatar 5, will be coming out 22 years. As far as we know, the final one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Will be coming out 22 years after the original 2009 uh-huh. film. So, Jeff, I think this led to a lot of existential soul-searching for you, right? Unfortunately, I did the math as to how old <laughs> I'll be when that movie comes out, and it's not pretty, ladies and gentlemen. It's not pretty. Um, it's, yeah. But, you know, it's these are generational films, and I, I the, the silver lining is that I think part of the... Uh, part of the, the magic, if I can use that word, uh, for me, of the Avatar movies is that they don't come around that often, mm-hmm. you know, that, mm-hmm. that it does feel like a real event. And, um, you know, this may not even be the last delay. Who knows? But I yeah. certainly hope uh, <laughs> I, I, I certainly hope that uh, three is uh, I like three as much as I like two, and that uh, these movies continue to dazzle in in ways that are really unattainable, um, you know, with. Other yep. other franchises. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion on the Discord um, about the Slack. I think. Excuse me, the Slack. Yes, pardon me. The uh, the Slack filmcast about um, you know, oh, we wouldn't it be great if if uh, James Cameron just made smaller movies instead and they could come out more frequently? And I I, I don't know. I, I reject that notion. I know that there's a lot of people that w- want him to be doing things that aren't yeah. Avatar, but I maintain that there's only one human being on Earth that can make an Avatar movie, and there's a whole bunch of people on Earth that could make smaller. You, you know, movies. Jeff, you say that, but uh, a 2031 date seems very tough for Mr. James Cameron. Well, he's to, talked to about you know grooming yeah. a successor, and maybe yeah. that is what he shall do. But I, I hope not. I hope these are his, you know, his magnum opus that he closes out his career with, and we can, you know, not that I wish him to close out his career. I, you mm-hmm. know, it'd be great if he kept going on in well into his, you know. The, 90s? 90s yeah yeah but uh i don't know i think it'd be amazing if he did all five of these and they are all as amazing as i think the first two are so i would i would yeah i'm, I'm down for this, this it cool. feels like we're exactly where we were when we started hearing the first uh rumblings about potential avatar sequel dates like after the first <laughs> ones right it was like yeah they were saying like past 2020 after a certain point i was like that date isn't real i cannot think about where where's my life then i don't know yeah. um 2031 i I cannot, I have no clue. My kids are going to be so much older. That, like, I don't know what life will be like. Are we going to have even movie theater screens? Are we going to have just like holograms after mm-hmm, a certain point? Like, mm-hmm. I really wonder where Very we Very much looking be. forward to playing this clip on our uh, December 2031 episode, guys. Yeah. It's going to be a, a blast. Yeah. We'll all be watching have the future every, Apple yeah. Vision Pro. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. was yeah. going to say, we'll all be watching on Apple Vision Pros. Let's take a quick break uh, for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more conversation about Disney's release slate right after this. Hey, it's time for me to tell you about our sponsor, Factor. It's summertime. Outdoor fun in the sun, going, doing, living it up. 
But hey, don't forget to eat. Don't forget to eat. Are you looking for wholesome, convenient meals for your sunny, active days? Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You save time, you eat well, and you stay on track reaching your goals. Because, let me tell you, these are delicious. I first heard about Factor from my wife, who's been ordering them for a long time. I kind of ignored them because I thought, hey, you pop it in the microwave. It's probably not going to taste too good. But she goes, no, Jeff, no, no, you're wrong, which is something my wife has told me a number of times. And usually she's right that I'm wrong. And in this case, she was right. I was wrong. It's delicious. Get yourself the flavor and nutritional quality you need with Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals that are ready in just two minutes. All you gotta do is heat them, pop them in the oven, and enjoy. Then you can get back outside and soak up the warm weather, or if you're like me, probably be playing video games and watching movies. Are you looking for calorie-conscious options? This is it. We got dietitian improved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. You get great portion control. You get an extra boost to the support of your wellness goals. You can get those protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. There are so many different options. Choose from over 34 chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options featuring premium ingredients such as broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, asparagus. Plus you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons including breakfast items like their delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites. This stuff's delicious. This June, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com filmcast50 and use code filmcast50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code FILMCAST50 at factormeals.com slash FILMCAST50 to get 50% off your first box. Yeah, so we'll all be watching Avatar 5 on our Apple Vision Pro 9s or whatever iteration they'll be set up. Watching it in Ultra 3D, you know, whatever the format is at the time. But yeah, uh, Zoe Saldana, I think, was around 31 years old when Avatar uh, 1 came out, and she'll be 53, I want to say, when the uh, final Avatar 5 comes out. James Cameron will be 80 years old mm-hmm. uh, at the time of the release of Avatar 5. Oh, yeah, so, so he, he can still go. Ridley Scott's yeah. still going, so he can, he can keep going. That's young. Yeah. And by, by 2031, we'll all be... Uh, you know, using our cyborg bodies and uh, downloading and our consciousness into uh, Rubik's. <laughs> Cameron has spent so much time under the sea, his body just ages differently than ours. <laughs> yes, you know? I, do I, think mean, that's how it works. I saw him being interviewed for the Arnold documentary. Uh, he was like the highlight of that documentary on Netflix. And dude looks good, man. Like he doesn't he look good. like he's aged in the. He doesn't he's, look like he's aged in like twenty years. He's you know? vegan. Like yeah. he takes care of himself. He he's takes not care of himself. Messing yeah. around. It's, uh, it helps if you work like uh, thirty minutes a week. You know, on your <laughs> on your project or something. Yeah, I, don't I, don't think, I don't think he's working thirty minutes a week. I think, I, I, yeah. I think it is uh, not as hardcore as maybe as maybe you know other. I times. don't know. Yeah. That's not what I hear. That's not what I hear. But well, okay, go ahead, Jeff. I will. I will say this. I think anybody that hears the news that these movies are delayed and think that it's from laziness, I think. The, the, I, the thing that's amazing to me is these movies get delayed because that's 
how hard it mm-hmm. is to make these movies. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of movies that you can make in a year or two years. And then there's Avatar movies that literally require inventing new technology <laughs> every single time. It's not, you know, it's not yeah. child's play here. People. I, I would say, I will say, you know, I obviously didn't enjoy Avatar The Way of Water very much, but I have greatly enjoyed watching all the making of features of Avatar The Way of Water because even if you don't like the movie, the technology they came up with to make the film is astonishing. I, I don't know about this, Dave. I feel like you should be banned from these behind the scenes. <laughs> you should just not be able to enjoy I agree. Them, you know? I agree, I, I should not be able to watch it enjoy. He spent a decade of his it. life on this thing. You're like, oh. <laughs> Well, Dave's I'm like saying, yawn, but I'll yawn. watch the, every second of how it what it took to make it. I'm, pra- <laughs> I'm praising how amazing the undertaking was. Anyway, the the technologies gonna, they know, invented. Yeah, in 2025 or whatever, whenever the next one comes out, you're going to revisit the second one. You're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I, I like it a lot more now than I did back then. That's what's well, going to happen. We're going to play this clip, and I'm going to laugh. The, that's you Jeff will Kanata's... actually be able to see it in your Apple Vision Pro, so you will get to re-experience it the way. Yes. It was done in the theater. I can't pretty wait. Much, so. I can't yeah. wait for that. I like Jeff Kanata's impression of David Chen. It's very goofy. I sound very goofy in your. <laughs> hey, everybody! Yeah. I did. I actually like that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> John Landau tweeted about this Avatar delay. Each Avatar film is an exciting but epic undertaking that takes time to bring to the quality level we as filmmakers strive for and audiences have come to expect. The team is hard at work and can't wait to bring audiences back to Pandora in December of 2025. Uh, end quote. Apparently, they shot a bunch of footage with the kids because they were like they were worried about this actually happening and yeah, that the kids would yeah. actually age out of the roles. Um, there's many kids in, in Avatar The Way of Water. So. Uh, but yeah, even 2031, I mean, that is what... Uh, <laughs> what year is it right now? Twenty twenty three. That's uh, eight years from now, right? So that's that's going to tax even uh, you know the most uh, credulous of viewers about how mm-hmm. young these children are. So by then they won't even need human actors, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. we, they just. I'm sure they have had the tech to fully motion capture everything about these people, freeze them in time. The cool thing is, by then I'll be able to be an avatar just by it's telling true. my computer to put me in it. It's mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Does that actually hold appeal for you, Jeff Kanata? I'm I'm curious about that. Like, th- th- there's a lot of um, <laughs> tech bros out there who are like, the the future of AI is going to be you can see yourself in the final battle of Avengers Endgame, I mean, and that just I, has I, no appeal for me. But like, yeah, I'm curious same, if that's something same. that you're interested in. I think that's going to be huge. I, I uh, you qualify it as only the tech bros saying it. I've been saying it for a long time on this. <laughs> I, every time we talk about this, that's the first thing you come to, Jeff. Yeah, so. yeah, I think yeah. I. I, yeah. I you're insane if you th- if you don't think the generation of selfie kids and Instagram wannabes aren't going to want to put themselves in everything. It's insane to think we might not because we're old, but every single kid that you want to put you and your friends. In, I mean, when I was a kid, my mom got me a series of books that she sent away for and mm-hmm. she could list my friends names and they put our names in it. And I thought it was incredibly magical. I was like, this is a book about me and my friends. And it was literally like hand typed it was i mean it was like the early 80s it was the hand typed it was like everything was one font and then the names were a different font did i care no it said my me and my friends names in it the idea that kids aren't gonna want to watch themselves doing these things i think is very short-sighted I mm-hmm. think you underestimate how cringy Gen Z would find everything you're describing. But yeah. you know, uh we'll see. Time we will tell. Why do you do have your finger see. on the pulse of Gen Z? I, I mean, know, I, know that about I think you, I think more than you. 
personally, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so burn uh, the other things. You don't the think the kids? You don't think the what? What makes it cringy? Tell me that. Like, <laughs> what? What makes it the, 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 the idea story that, like, about me in the books as a kid is cringy? No, or no, what? no, no, no. Uh, that's lovely, Jeff. You, you said know, everything you said is cringy. It was the well, exact specifically, words. specifically, not all right. Not the story about the books. That's very lovely. And and uh, my uh, my uh, sister in law did the same thing. You know, like got a book with like made a custom book with like yeah. You know, Kids love um, that. My, my my brother and his son in it for Father's Day, and that was very nice. You know, um, but I don't know. I think the idea of like putting, I I think there is this idea of like if, if I had to guess. I'm just riffing. I haven't prepared a thoughtful response to this. But if I had to guess, I think it's like, that's trying way too hard. That's kind of what my reaction to what you said is. Well, I'll tell you, I watched my my six-year-old and my five-year-old, well, my five-year-old especially. The delight of her day is if she can grab my phone and look at videos of herself, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. something I was incapable of doing as a child. Like, that just wasn't a possibility as a kid. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, guess of, I just think there's a there's a qualitative difference between yeah. ma- making your own TikToks and making your own Instagram reels or whatever, and making your own YouTube videos, and then putting your f- versus putting your face mm-hmm. into a completely separate situation that's not custom designed for you. Yeah, that's kind but of. I, 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 agree. I kind of agree. Yeah, I just don't think I think you're. I don't. I don't think that's an accurate representation of what it will do. I don't think it's putting your face in a situation that wasn't custom designed for you. I think it will be custom designed for you. Yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> it, it'll be like, um, I want to. I want to be in an Indiana Jones movie, and then it makes it. <laughs> you know, so you're talking about like mm-hmm. a whole movie around you, rather than you just replacing the actor in the movie Indiana Jones. I think either way will be fine. Mm-hmm. I think either way will be equally as trivial to to do. I think we have uh, a glimpse of this with like there's like video games where you can custom map your face onto like a character's head. I mean, yeah. sure. And th- and there's a lot of good I don't stuff. think those features are used very often. You know, I don't yeah. think they're like widely used. So anyway, I, th- um, I think it's more for like mummification. I don't know. Uh, I know you spend time on the the old TikTok, Dave, but there there are memes that go out where you will be you will do that part of the you know uh, what part of your world song, right? That is that is a big meme right now, and yeah, people do yeah, yeah. go under the sea and go under the water and do the whole thing. And you, it's fun because you're doing it and you do it with your kids or your animals or whatever. And it's just that glimpse. You're not doing the whole movie. You're just doing that viral bit, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of that. People using filters on themselves. Yeah. And stuff like that. But I, I get, you know, maybe maybe Jeff, I just I don't fully understand kind of the vision of, of AI, gener- you know, generative pop yeah, culture. I, that I think it is time for you to build this. But Jeff. but I, but oh, I, I think I it's just like, it. I think I think there's like a difference between, you know, like, hey, it's me. I'm I'm representing. Like, it's me making something. I'm applying filters to myself. I'm doing something, you know, versus something else that someone like some other thing has made, and like, you know, uh, and I'm p- inserting myself into it. I think those are different things. But uh, you know, I just t- think t- that the 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 technology is going to be s- such that it will be trivial to do either of those things. You'll just speak it to your computer. You'll just to ask your computer to do that, and it will. I'm not even your computer. Your phone. You'll just ask it in natural language to do it, and it will. There will be no, there will be no try too hard because it's it'll be trivial. It'll be simple. I am totally open to being proven wrong on this. So let's save this clip, and you know, when Avatar Seven is coming out, you can we can play it back on the podcast. And uh, I mean, I. I Believe me, I I may very well be completely wrong. I'm not gonna, I'm not saying I. I just seems so. It just seems yeah. so inevitable to me. I, and I mm-hmm. and I see the way that 
kids are so obsessed with seeing themselves in the screen. I can't imagine that that won't be a natural extension of that, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, there have been a few other changes to the Disney release schedule uh, that I just wanted to mention. Captain America Brave New World moving from May of 2024 to July of 2024. So a little bit of bump. Um, but Thunderbolts, as a result, will be delayed to December of 2024. Blade delayed to February of 2025. Fantastic Four oh, delayed to May of 2025. And the Avengers... Kang Dynasty is getting pushed back an entire year from May 2025 to May 2026. They got to recast Kang. They got to recast. (laughs) And then Avengers Secret Wars is therefore being delayed an additional year from May 2026 to May of 2027. Do you guys, Um, here's the question. Do you guys think uh this is the last delays? That stuff. I mean, it depends on how long this writer's strike goes on for. The strike is, there's no end. I think uh, this, like, uh, optimistic schedule for the strike probably you know july august resolution right but if it goes into september and the fall i mean that's i i don't think that that would be very very long but it just doesn't feel like there's that much room for meeting in the middle at this point so uh, who knows but yeah if the writer's strike gets delayed for even longer who knows what's going to happen here um finally star wars movies um so there is uh going to be a star wars film in december 2026 uh and that means there's going to be two Star Wars movies uh, that are released in 2026. There's a separate Star Wars movies that that was pushed from uh, December 2025 to May of 2026, and then another Star Wars movie set for December 2027. So um, Disney has not clarified the premises of any of those installments. So two Star Wars movies in in 2026, and then a Star Wars movie in 2027. No idea what the premises of those movies are. So. Uh, but yeah, well, we know that like there's a mangled st- Star Wars and there's, you know, there's all these yeah. percolating Star Wars. David so Filoni that's... is doing a Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah. But it's like those haven't it hasn't been assigned. Right. Like none of those, I think, have been assigned to those specific dates yet. But uh, yeah, this this is the beginning, I think, of what will probably be a cascading series of delays as a result of this, the writer's strike. And who knows if SAG goes on strike as well. Yeah. Um, more delays are probably on the way. And guys, I just want to say uh, it sucks, and it's it doesn't suck, quote unquote, because of the writer strike, right? The it, the writer strike is going on because the studios aren't giving in to the writers' very reasonable demands for working conditions. Uh, so I'm not blaming the writer strike or blaming the writers in any way, but this whole situation just sucks because it really felt like we were just starting to get back on our feet after just getting COVID, back on it, right? Yeah. Just like oh, finally a summer full of like awesome movies, and uh, now like there's probably going to be I'm going to guess a period of time in the film cast near future where it's going to feel like there's nothing coming out good for we like just months. have to go back to the 2000s and 90s <laughs> just go progressively back like I just want to be clear like it is the studios you should blame about any of this and seeing yep. actual harm to their to their schedules and to their you know to their upcoming profits like that is the purpose of striking and that's the power of collective yeah, action. That's the only leverage make that it they clear. have. Yeah. 100%, yeah. 100%. I totally support the writers in this regard. And um, so when I say it sucks, I'm not saying, you know, the writers did anything wrong. I'm just saying yeah. the situation it's so easy to fix this. Yeah. The so situation, easy. the situation sucks. And uh, you know, guys, as you will learn in our after dark, or as you will remember when I talk about it in the after dark, this week, <laughs> uh, 
Um, Extraction 1 was a main review on the podcast. I and, thought about this a lot when watching Extraction 2. And mm -hmm. and I feel like it, we got through COVID, we can get through anything. You know what I mean? Sure, we, sure, sure. For we, sure, for sure. We did a main review of uh, Judgment Night, I believe. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mistakes were made. You know? <laughs> no mistakes were made. We were just trying to figure out our the best path forward. But I think, uh, yeah, Extraction 1 was a main review. Now it's an After Dark. Uh <laughs> And I mean, like, if we had time, I would argue that Extraction 2 should have been the big movie, but you know. You <laughs> Fair know. enough. But my point being, like, we're going to have to go back to those days where, like, you know, whatever's premiering on Netflix that week mm -hmm. uh, is going to be the main review because it's probably going to be. But they're it's also going to have similar delays. Yeah, so that's like, the no, problem is that there's, there's not, not going to be, be a uh, it's yeah. not just we can't go to movie theaters. It'll be like there's just nothing. We're going to be doing reviews of reality shows. It'll be Dave's dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Netflix is. Uh, Netflix having caused the conditions uh, that writers are striking against is now ironically best positioned to withstand the strike. Um, it's true. They yeah. just have a lot of stuff banked up. So I, I do think it's possible that like Netflix will, you know, uh, 12 months from now, like Paramount, you know, Paramount, Sony, um, Warner Brothers will be releasing Jack and we're still going to get mm -hmm. a movie of the week from Netflix. I think that's possible. Netflix has so. content in all other territories too. They can like recycle around somehow too and repromote. So there, there's things. There are yeah. things it could do. So uh, anyway, studios, um, please come to the bargaining table for the writers and give them what they want, uh, or else uh, not only will the writers suffer and the people who create culture and art and uh, yeah. and help make you know Hollywood amazing. Uh, not only will they suffer, but also the film cast will suffer. Podcasts will suffer. Podcasts that talk and about think their of the podcast. Think of the podcasters. That's who we really need to keep in mind here. Anyway, uh, these are some of the items of film news that we wanted to discuss today. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more uh, and what we've been watching right after this. It's time for me to tell you about our sponsor, Double Fine's Psych Odyssey. This is a docu-series on YouTube that is among the most entertaining, interesting, fascinating, well-made docu-series I've ever seen. And it also happens to be a subject matter that hasn't really been shown with this much honesty, integrity, depth ever before. And that is the process in making a AAA video game, a, a sequel in this case to one of the greatest games of all time, Psychonauts. This is the making of, the behind the scenes, the, the true path to creation of a fantastic video game called Psychonauts 2. It's Double Fine Studios. Tim Schafer and his crew returning to the series that started their studio and the rough road, the ups and downs, the turmoil, the highs and lows that brought that game to the market. It's fascinating. If you... Uh, if you've been listening to me talk about this, you know this is one of the most must-watch docuseries I have ever encountered. Uh, episode 17, which is called The Heart of Double Fine. Amazing. Tim Schafer gets a, a major award, but one of the Double Fine founders has to leave the company. So you get this incredible juxtaposition of this very high and this very low. This show, it, it, it shows everything that goes into making video games, warts and all. It's so well-made, it's so in-depth. And please, do not take my word for it. Everybody is talking about this. Corey Barlog, the creator of the God of War games, says, absolutely love this that this unflinching doc even exists. Gonna binge it. 
Yeah, I absolutely love it exists as well. There is nothing else like it about the video game industry. I have never been more confident that our audience is going to love something. It's just great. And you can watch the entire series for free with no ads right now in 4K with real captions made by a human being. Go to doublefine.com slash filmcast to start your psych odyssey. Go to doublefine.com slash filmcast to check out Psych Odyssey and then report back and tell me how right I was that you were going to love it. All right, folks, let's get to what we've been watching this week. Well, it was a bloodbath at the box office, but you know, some of the smaller films did well. Asteroid City did very well in limited release. And I want to mention a movie that is out in limited release that's expanding wider in the weeks to come that I think you should definitely watch. It's called Past Lives. It's the newest film by A24. And uh, it actually is a very interesting pairing with Elemental, which is also on theaters right now. They're both stories about immigrants. We've seen a lot of stories of immigrants at this point. Uh, people who come to America looking for a better life and uh, leaving what they had behind and the pain of that and um, the disappointment of that, uh, but also the hope for a brighter future and the reward that comes with uh, with making a life for yourself in, in America. And, and there's a lot of beautiful stories to be told from that. It's a story that I feel I have lived myself to some extent. Past Lives asks a different question of like, not what that person's life is like, but what happens to all of the stories mm-hmm. that are interrupted after you leave your home country? You know, like for when you're living your life and you leave your country to come to a new thing, you're, you're, you're making a new way for yourself. But Past Lives is about what happens to the people who, you knew before you left, right? And what happens to them and the, what, wh- where do their lives go? And how do they make sense of your absence in their life? Um, that's basically the story that Past Lives tells. And uh, I think, it, you know, I don't want to give too much of it away. It's, there's not that much plot in this movie. Like not that much happens. Um, I think it takes place over the course of a few days at uh, multiple different time periods in the main character's life. Uh, but it's beautiful. It's lyrical. It's thought-provoking. Uh, it made me really emotional because, uh, obviously, as an immigrant myself, there's just a lot for me to think about and chew mm-hmm. on. Um, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. Uh, and it's like a really great kind of counter-programming to all the big movies of the summer, right? Like, this is like the anti-The Flash, the anti-Indiana Jones of the Dial of Destiny. It's just, you know, you're watching... Uh, real people live out their lives dealing with uh, very complex emotions in subtle, nuanced ways. Uh, and it's it's a it's a gorgeous looking movie too. A lot of it's shot in New York, Devendra. So I know, like mm-hmm. you know, as a as a former resident and a big fan of New York City, like you'll find a lot to like here in the cinematography. Yeah, uh, I, I've if, heard a lot of like before sunrise comparisons with this too. So anything in that genre of type of thing, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm totally down for. Yeah, it's not. Um, I, I agree it evokes the similar emotions to mm-hmm. like the before sunrise. Maybe not... more before midnight. Like the second one is a movie <laughs> that I think of often, you know. Uh right. The second movie is before, before sunset. Sunset. That's yeah, my that's sunset. actually my favorite of the three films. Yeah. The second movie. That is but... because you have the history of those two and right. everything. It sounds like this movie's just getting right yeah, into that. I, I think yeah. I think it's actually more it's definitely mm-hmm. more similar to before sunset than before sunrise. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I love this movie. I actually interviewed the uh, writer-director, planning to post that um, on my newsletter. So, like, I, I think that uh, it's an amazing film, and you should definitely check it out. It's one of the best films of the year. So, it's Past Lives, new A24 movie. It's out in theaters 
uh, right now in limited release, expanding wider in the weeks to come. That is one thing I've been watching this week. Divinder Hardware, hit us up with something you've been watching. Oh, I have seen all of Black Mirror season six, and I just want to announce Black Mirror is good again. Everybody, it's, it's great, back, baby. It's back. It's back, baby. I, I did a review over at Engadget, so you could read my fuller thoughts there. Uh, there's some minor spoilers there, and I'm not going to say too much here, except it, it's worth watching. Uh, definitely start with Jonah's Awful, the first episode. And people have also been asking me, like, what is a good entry point into the world of Black Mirror? If you've never seen any Black Mirror, honestly, Jonah's Awful is the sort of like quintessential uh, near future episode uh kind of hinting at things we're all worried about and work you know dealing with the anxieties we have around technology it's also really funny and really surprising at times too and that one stars annie murphy from schitt's creek and a whole bunch of other people i think it's really good um but overall i just want to say like i have reviewed the past uh two seasons that were hitting netflix i didn't hit uh didn't review all the netflix seasons for engadget but the past two just felt a little hit or miss to me like it felt like charlie brooker was running out of ideas and you know, a lot has happened since 2019, guys. So much has happened. And I also feel like uh, Charlie Brooker has just had more time to sit and work on these. Uh, there's also one episode um, that is titled as a Red Mirror episode. That's really interesting. It just goes full horror. That's all I'm going to say. But it's also co-written by Bisha K. Ali, who uh, who show ran Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. So yeah. he is rare to rare to have a co-writing credit on Black yeah. Mirror, I think. He has my... done it before like Michael Schur uh did one like it, it's it is rare. Um what I'm impressed is that there's just a wide variety of episodes here. They are all very very different. And what's also really interesting is a lot of them just aren't even set in modern days or in the future. A lot of them are just in the past, either the near past or way beyond. And uh, that gets to something we'll probably be talking about in the After Dark, I think. But just the limitations of technology, I think, is really interesting to see. Like, especially um, the episode Maisie Day, which is about a paparazzi photographer, uh, is straight up 2005. And if you have lived through 2005, I, I think it will evoke a lot of things for you guys specifically. Like, um, they're, they're very happy about getting the Square iPod Nano. It was the newest tech back then. You still had to have GPS devices in your car. Uh, people still used dial-up back then because not everybody had broadband. It was a very common thing. And you would still have paper maps in your car because the GPS wasn't always reliable. Um, very, very interesting to set things at very specific points and kind of makes us remember how technology uh, influenced our lives at those points too. So I find that all really fascinating. Every episode is worth watching. Um, special shout out to Beyond the Sea, which is the one that co-stars Aaron Paul and Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, of all people, and Kate Mara. It is fascinating and brutal and unforgettable. Um, I think every episode of this season is very good. I think they will hit people very differently, but uh, you can go in order. You know, there are there, some are truly disturbing in some ways, and some are just plain fun. But it's all Black Mirror. It's all the stuff I love, so I, I cannot wait to see, like, what Charlie Brooker comes up with. And I also ha I hope he has more time to craft future seasons, because I think the, the rush to spit out uh you know really quick seasons um for the past few years that was kind of what hurt some of the other netflix seasons so yeah this is good it's good to have charlie brooker back with black mirror i uh agree this is probably one of my favorite seasons in a while yeah uh i i think uh if there's one episode i would recommend out of the five it would be the first one joan is awful 
Mm-hmm. I think I don't know that that's the best one, but I think it's the most accessible and and most clearly like classic Black Mirror. Yes. That said, Jeff Kanata, I think you've dipped into a few Black Mirror episodes as well. What did you think? I have. Season? It's funny. I have not watched the first one. Uh, oh, okay. I skipped around. Oh, and you just... will have a lot of thoughts about the first one. Yeah, I'm Jeff, excited to. Jeff, I, you I got really this think... confused with Kaleidoscope. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Kaleidoscope <laughs> has just ruined Jeff for episodic. Yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> watch any shows in order. What? That's yeah. for that's pre 2020 guys. No. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Well, no, that's what's fun about Black Mirror, right? Is that they're, when I, you know, mm-hmm. I, one mm-hmm. of the things I used to love a lot as a kid and I've gotten away from it, it, it's, you know, it's still just as prominent as when I was a kid, but it felt like a more of a kid thing is reading short stories, reading science fiction short, short stories. And some of my favorite science fiction authors wrote great short stories. And that's what it feels like watching Black Mirror is like, you're watching these amazing short stories and that's what's cool is you could dip in and dip out and, and pick and choose. And, you know, I was, I was watching, uh, I was watching without my wife and I was like, you know what? I'm fairly certain she's going to want to watch that first one with me. So I'm going to kind of pick around and find yeah. the ones that are, that seem like they're going to be a little, uh, darker. I, I and would more. save beyond the sea for, without I watched beyond the sea. I watched Maisie yeah. day and I, I watched, uh, uh, demon 77, 79. 79. 79. Yeah. Um, so those are the three I've watched. Um, you know, I am a little bummed that it f- feels uh, like, at least with that sampling, um, some of them are much more just straight up horror than mm-hmm. than yeah. sci-fi. And yep. that bummed me out a little bit because um, I'm just not quite as interesting to me than what Black Mirror has been, which is really cool looks at, at technology and, and, you know, day after tomorrow type visions of the future yeah that, um, that was the why it was called black mirror right the right, idea yeah, that your the black mirror the is the screen. screen that you're looking into and so yeah and so you're correct that uh by my count the majority of episodes this season do not have sci-fi premises so which is a bummer uh, i think i think to two you could say are straight horror but uh it does feel like they're transforming more into the twilight zone right yes, which was always speculative right. fiction and I agree. some I agree. were were horrific and it's just kind of like that. I but agree, I appreciated, I agree, I agree yeah, I appreciated yeah, its particular niche, which yeah. I always kind of felt like I knew what to expect with a Black Mirror in, in the sense that it, you know, it was going to... Your smartphone to, is bad. It will kill you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where, where it was like, yeah. look at look at how this very plausible thing can have a dark tone to it. I thought that was really a cool idea. And this is, I mean, this is like, there's a couple of episodes that are just straight up supernatural horror. It's like mm-hmm. not even straight up like a Stephen King story. You know, and and that's you know they're fun, but it it did leave me a little disappointed just in like oh where's my Black Mirror that I wanted you know I've been I've been thinking about that and I do think the the idea of tech criticism has gone much more mainstream than yeah, when Black Mirror started a decade ago like over a decade ago so mm, you know yeah. people a lot of people are saying what Black Mirror has been saying the the evils of a lot of the tech we're living with are far more obvious and discussed now so it's like they gotta he has to do something a little different right. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Great. Those are all great points, Devendra. But yeah, I, I do think if you are looking for classic Black Mirror, um, mm-hmm. again, in my opinion, the majority of episodes do not offer it. They offer something different, and I actually think that's okay. You know, it's okay for the show to evolve uh, based on what the creator wants, based on what society and viewers are looking for. But totally get your disappointment, Jeff. And you know, I, I especially given the conversation we just had about putting AI faces or personas into shows and stuff yeah i totally understand like if that's where your head's at in general like wanting a certain thing from black mirror and it, it doesn't deliver that it's disappointing you know i do think it would be uh pretty cool if we um you know carve some time on a on a after dark or something to dig into these yes. spoilers because i Absolutely. think there's a lot to talk about especially that um 
that uh, Beyond the Sea episode. It, mm-hmm. It's um, that is a brilliant. I mean, it's a film. It's a movie. It's, it's like it's a movie. Film. I I was not a fan of where it ended, but it, there are some great ideas in there. Yeah. No, I mean, the, I think all of these episodes are prickly, at least for me. It's like there's lots to yeah. dig into, yeah. good and bad, and 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 all the ones I watched. All right. Well, that's Black Mirror season six. Uh, I, I I personally, I would say, I'd say like uh, I liked two of them. I thought one was okay, and I thought two were pretty terrible. Um, and that's actually an above average hit rate for recent Black Mirror season. That's true. That's so true. I think yeah. worth checking out, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we'll try to get an after arc, Jeff, after you've uh, finished the season. So, um, all right, I will mention that I. Oh wait, no, it's Jeff's turn. Jeff, what have you watched this week? Oh, I uh, revisited one of my favorite half-hour comedies uh, that uh, <laughs> I had been eagerly anticipating uh, the debut of season three of the other two, mm-hmm. and then it happened, and I didn't, I sort of forgot that it happened. I remember I texted my wife when the announcement was like, it's going to happen in, I don't know, whatever it was, April or May or whatever it was when it debuted, and uh, and then, you know... Uh, it's on Max the One to Watch for HBO, but I feel like oftentimes <laughs> Max the One to Watch for HBO does not surface stuff very well. And I not just o- not only does it not surface stuff very well, Jeff. Like I started watching the other two this week, which I'll yeah. talk about after you talk about your story. But literally, it is difficult to continue watching the thing I've already been watching. It's so like, bad at remembering. I, yeah. I, I, I'm like I've, I've watched you know five episodes of the other two, and then I go back to the app, and I just, I need to like research for the other. It's just the experience is terrible. It's terrible. It is, no doubt. Uh, and that's a bummer because more people need to know about the show and the fact that they had a whole new season. And I was eagerly anticipating it and then launched the app many times <laughs> and was never told that it was there. It just slipped my mind. And so here I am a couple of months late, I think, uh, which is which is kind of cool because it means I had a bunch of episodes to work through and they, I wasn't waiting week to week. But uh, be that as, as it may, uh, I love the other two. I have talked about it uh, numerous times uh, in the previous, uh, as the previous seasons were were debuting on uh, the network previously known as HBO. Um, Max, the one to watch for HBO. Yeah. Max, the one to watch for HBO. But now it is the Pre- form- previously known form- as HBO Max. Formerly known Max. as HBO Max. Yeah. Now, now Max, the one to watch for HBO. Yeah. Indeed. Um, this is a show about a, a family uh, of three siblings, one of whom... Uh, becomes a Justin Bieber-like megastar. And then the other two, the other two siblings who aren't, but kind of feel left out. Uh, and um, Molly Shannon plays their mom, the the matriarch of the family, who's just a delightful... I love Molly Shannon so much. Um, anyway, season three begins with um, uh, an acknowledgement of, of COVID. It, it, it talks about, obviously the show hasn't been on, uh, in a few years now, a couple of years at least. And, uh, COVID happened sort of in the interim and the show acknowledges that kind of talks about it. And it's very, it's very funny, very insightful. One of my favorite things about this show is that it's very inside baseball about the, about Hollywood, about the film industry, about TV industry. It's about the industry. And as somebody who, you know, has been in and around it um, for many, many years, I love all of the inside jokes. There is, in fact, in season three, a solid B plot and one of the early episodes uh, that is all about how uh, self-tapes for actors have become Mm -hmm. completely insane. And I love it. Like, nobody's talking about that except people like uh, me that do it. 
Um, well, me and my friends talk about it constantly about how post-COVID self-tape has become this insane, insane activity. Uh, never used to be like that. Uh, and then the show kind of does a whole B story about it. And I loved it. I was like, oh, I'm seen. <laughs> but, um, you know, the uh, it is very inside baseball. And I, I don't know how well that translates to a mainstream audience that like doesn't have any firsthand experience with that stuff. But I think the show is hilarious. It talks about a lot of really fun, interesting stuff. It has fast pace of really like, you know, jokes per minute is high. And uh, I, I love the other two. I just don't hear people talking about it very much. And I'm really glad, Dave, that you checked it out. I want to know what you thought. I started the other two this last week with my wife and we're obsessed with the show. Uh, this show is incredible. And also it's like, it's one of my all time. It's like quickly shot up to like my all timers. Like <laughs> yeah, one of yeah. my favorite shows of all time. It's great. Um, well worth checking out. Uh, has a better commentary and critique of the music industry than The Idol, which is also airing on Max, the one to watch for HBO right now. Um, and uh, it's just super funny. The first two seasons, every episode's 22 minutes, and it just feels so uh, tight and disciplined. The uh, jokes per minute is very high. It feels like almost like 30 Rock uh, or Rest Development in terms of um, how like well-constructed it is, how tightly constructed it is. So, I'm a huge fan of the other two, uh, and I, I consistent fi consistently find it a delight. Uh, my wife and I got through the first season and a half in the last week, and uh, we're just charging through it. I've heard season three gets a little bit more dramatic, and the runtimes get a little shaggier. That's true. Um, yeah, so maybe mm, I still three, love not, it. Yeah, still good, but not, maybe not as strong as the first two seasons. But um, yeah, I, I am loving this show. I cannot recommend it highly enough. You need to be watching the other two which is uh, available right now on Max, one to watch for HBO. So uh, that's one thing Jeff Kanata has been watching. I will mention that I finally had a chance to check out Redfield, uh, a, the Nicolas Cage vampire movie. Renfield. Renfield, yes, Renfield. And this Place is available. Redfield. <laughs> sorry. Uh, this is streaming right now on Peacock, and it is not a very good movie, guys. Um, this is, <laughs> this movie- I'm sad is uh, basically Nicolas Cage plays Dracula and Nicholas Holt plays his familiar, who's named Renfield. Uh, and every moment that Nicolas Cage is on screen is awesome. Like, it's you you watch Nicolas Cage play Dracula because you want to see him go over the top and chew the scenery and so on, and he does all that, you know? Uh, but he is not in the majority of the film. Uh, there is a very rough romantic subplot between Nicholas Holt and Aquafina. The two of them have absolutely no chemistry together. Aquafina has her own subplot where she is trying to do honor to her family because her father has been killed by a local crime family. You know, it's like this whole thing that's just like, there is a shocking lack of Nicholas Cage on screen in this movie starring Nicholas Cage. Uh, and mm -hmm. when he's on screen, it's fun. It's fun. It's like, Oh, this is why I'm watching Renfield. Uh, but when he's not, it's like, Hmm. There's some John Wick style action in this movie. It looks like very expensive to make this movie Renfield. I think it would cost like around $60 million, if I'm not mistaken, for uh, for this movie that's kind of a comedy. Do you know, like what who is the audience of yeah. this movie? Who, who is the target audience of this movie? Like, I don't that you the, want the people to... who want to see Nicolas Cage as Dracula, but not enough. Not enough is Dracula, right? Not those, not those that people. much as Dracula, and then yeah. but then you also want to see an action comedy? Like I, just, I remember when that hit in the trailer, and I was just like, "Why? 
why you just let it be the comedy you know yeah it's, it's just it doesn't make any sense it, it who who like if you if you want to watch john wick you're going to watch john wick chapter 4 you know if you want to watch uh, a, a super funny drag like a vampire comedy you got what we do in the shadows at home on hulu like you, you, this movie didn't do either thing well enough to really distinguish itself unfortunately so I can't recommend it, but it does have some fun Nicolas Cage scenes in it, and so it's not completely without redemption. But that's Renfield. It's streaming right now on Peacock. Can I... Do we have time for me to send us off on a little <laughs> tangent real quick? Go ahead. Yeah, let's do it, Jeff. Okay, because I I, uh, I was musing on the fact that um, exactly what you guys were just talking about with regard to Nicolas Cage, and it's mm-hmm. pretty... Aw- I, I I like love him. I mean, I think most, of, most people do. But what we love about him is this like insanity thing that he brings, you know, that Mm -hmm. like you were just saying, Devinder, that over the top, what you want is you want to see him go crazy. And it's wild to me that an actor has made a career, like he wasn't always that way, but he's sort of morphed into this parody of acting itself. It's almost an ironic wink, wink, nudge, nudge of like, here's watch Nicholas. Not that he's always like that, because he's, I think he's a very talented yeah, grounded but he, actor. he has been like honing that shtick since the right. 80s, that right? Yeah. And we want that. And it's so I, yeah. it's amazing to me that he has carved out that niche. I don't know of anybody else exactly quite like that. That is what we go to is like, I want to see him just do mm-hmm. weird things. Do, do his thing. Mm-hmm. Well, like yeah. when Christopher Walken shows up in something, I'm like, yeah. I know what to expect. I guess that's, that's a great, that's a great compar- yeah. the goods. That's a great other comparison. I would well, here, yeah. here's where it led me. Yeah. <laughs> Years ago, you know, there would be the, uh, if you were making a joke about a, a bad actor, mm-hmm there would be a couple of actors that you would reference. If you were like, oh, uh, we, I want to see it. And one of those, and you guys can disagree with me if, if you, if, but I, this is what I recall, is like everybody kind of used Keanu Reeves as the poster child of bad actor. Mm. You know, no one would do that anymore. No one would do that anymore. He's completely transcended that stereotype, but it was always like, whoa, you know, like the, like he's a, he's bad at acting. He's, he's a star, but he's not good at acting. And I also remember, perhaps this is unfair as well, but if you wanted to do it for a woman as an actor, you would, it would be Tori Spelling. Like Tori Spelling would be the poster Mm -hmm. child of not a good actor, but everyone knows who they are. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to this question. Do we have that anymore? Is there a person that you go, everybody knows them, they're successful, they're in lots of things, but we all sort of agree they're bad at acting? I don't Depen- think there is one anymore. It depends on what the acting is, right? Like, I think Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula is a complete failure, you know? But I right. also think he has, like, grown into a persona. Keanu Reeves in Speed, fucking phenomenal, you know? Like... Uh, and that that is what he honed with the Matrix, but he has also like grown into something else as well that I think you know he's portrayed quite well in other in other things down the line. Like he has grown into his skills, and he is not trying to fit himself into you know into a wedge that he doesn't fit in anymore. And I think that helped. All right, Jeff, you're you're not going to like my answer to this question. Oh boy, <laughs> but it's I think you. The, I think the closest <laughs> the closest thing to what you're describing today, where it's a massive star who people don't think they're very good at acting is probably Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, yes. interesting. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, there I we think, go. I think that is somebody that, that, that is a, a person who people think he's a huge star. He's quasi bankable. 
Um, but he plays the same character in every single movie. So if you, you know? think the same that if, thing. If, if, if there was a setup of a joke of like, oh, let's have Hamlet, but it's going to be Keanu Reeves, like you would do that in like the early 90s. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you would do it with Dwayne The Rock Johnson now, and that would be the joke. I think, well, I think it'd, that be, would it'd be more yes. like the Schwarzenegger type of joke. Yeah. With, with mm-hmm. him. But it, this, it's the same ideal. And I totally agree when you have other people out there like Batista doing similar things, but doing it better, I That's think. Interesting. Or at least as That's a better actor. Yeah. I, uh, but going back to the original point, I think, um, you know, the definitive commentary on Nicolas Cage, in my opinion, was provided by the TV show Community, mm-hmm. uh, where they talked about uh, Nicolas Cage, right? And, um, there was a class called Introduction to Teaching, and uh, Abed obsessed over Nicolas Cage and trying to figure out if he was a good or bad actor. And there were a bunch of lines in that episode that I thought were really great. Like, for instance, Nicolas Cage, he's a complex performer. He'll give you the rock, con air, then face off, and you think you understand. But then Wind Talkers, Guarding Tess, and The Wicker Man, he begs you to stop watching, but you can't. You know, mm-hmm. uh, And I, I think Nicolas Cage occupies this really weird space between he's brilliant and he's terrible. It's a you know, quantum space. Yeah, it's yeah. a quantum. It's a you know Heisenberg uncertainty principle, Schrodinger's cat type situation where it's like he's in this weird space, and that's fascinating to observe. And that's why I think if you want to see that, uh, Renfield offers that for you. You mm-hmm. know, like that's mm-hmm. it's not it's not completely devoid but of how any long merits. is he in the movie? Because it, I have read it was like five to ten minutes. Basically. I think it's closer to like twenty minutes. Okay, he's in the movie. You know, that's, so that's something. But yeah, that's like. We, we have seen the full breadth of what he is good at lately, right? And I think something like Pig is a mm, masterpiece yes. of a movie that fully has him internalizing um, the things, you know, he would normally externalize. Then you have a movie like Mandy. And I know you don't like Mandy, Jeff, but That's Mandy correct, I don't. Is, is the thing. It is pure, unfiltered, uncut cage. And I think it also, <laughs> there is good stuff in there, too. Like, there is good acting in Mandy, but it is draped in, uh, you know, like a cheesy horror type of thing. But I think Mandy and pig together are, are the nexus of what makes Nicolas Cage good. Jeff Kanata, do you have an answer for your own question about, is there an actor who, who is like, like commonly thought of as not very good? No, I think the reason that I brought it up and threw it to you guys is because I, when I was musing on this topic the other night, I thought we have kind of progressed to a place where, maybe that's not a thing. Like maybe, like maybe the people who have become well-known all are sort of have a minimum bar that, that didn't used to be met in previous eras. Alternative and, interpretation, uh, society has just accepted worse acting over time. Oh, we just don't care. Know? Maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's yeah, yeah. more accurate. So, but I, there's also more people acting too, so. Yeah, more people, just, out, which you would think would be a wider swath of, of quality and talent. And maybe- but I just don't think that there's that person that we all agree is like, well, they don't, they're not good. They're famous, but yeah. they're not good. I don't know. The, the Rock is a good answer because it's through the sheer power of his charisma and marketing that he blinds you to, to those <laughs> divisions, yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this real weird random experience I've had recently, Jeff, uh, that's similar to what you're talking about, which is um, like I've been rewatching some old Seinfeld episodes on occasion and Jerry Seinfeld is like pretty terrible in that show. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, he, but he's constantly breaking character, you know, or, or yeah. breaking, you know, I think what it's called, but I don't think that that's, <laughs> I, I think that's a kind of a different case in, in that it's, you know, he's at the center of this as the stand up comedian who's sort of like, I can't believe I'm in a show right now. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think yeah. yeah, yeah. 
But his uh, genius but, was the writing because he was yeah. so meticulous totally, about the totally, show itself. Totally. Yeah. And the show deserves everything, you know, mm-hmm. all the credit, you know, all the praise that it received. But I, I guess, like, when I was younger, I didn't recognize that he was kind of break, like cracking he up throughout sucks. every single scene, you know? He's yeah. also, like, yeah, he's the least entertaining person, I think, in so many scenes. Like, my wife rewatches it all the time, too. It's just funny. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I think the show sometimes uses his laugh his breaking to its advantage mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh yeah i was surprised at how how rough it was how rough the, the actual acting was in the show anyway um well let us know what you think of this question at slash filmcast at gmail.com we'd be curious to hear i'm very curious uh, if yeah are there any people answers. who you think like are huge stars but are well known for not being great actors hmm. um anyway renfield it's on peacock that's one thing i've been watching Let's take one last break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more of what we've been watching right after this. Hey, it's time for me to tell you about our sponsor, ExpressVPN. We love streaming services here at the Filmcast. You hear us talking about them all the time, but there's a lot of them. And sometimes you want to just trim the fat. You want to lower costs and uh, save some money. You can spend hundreds of dollars a month on streaming services. Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, you name it. But... Using ExpressVPN, you can cut back and save so much every month. Let me explain. See, all these streaming services like Netflix, they actually have thousands more shows than you think. You just don't see them all because they give you different shows depending on the country that you live in. So what you see on Netflix here is completely different to what someone in Italy or South Korea sees. But using the ExpressVPN app, you can change your online location And ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from. So every time you run out of stuff to watch, you just switch to another country to unlock new shows. For example, if you wanted to watch the movie Mallrats, classic Kevin Smith movie, you'd have to subscribe to Amazon Prime or download it on iTunes, or you could watch it on Netflix, just not in the United States. You could watch it on Netflix UK or Netflix Ireland. So with ExpressVPN, you just tap one button to change your country to the UK or Ireland, refresh the page, and it shows up. You don't have to pay extra for any other services. You just watch it. And on top of that, you can even use ExpressVPN to get discounts. Some services cost less in other countries. For example, if you buy Netflix from Argentina, it costs a fraction of the price. At less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN pays for itself and so much more. It's a no-brainer. So if you want to get way more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com slash filmcast. Don't forget to use our link so you can get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Expressvpn.com slash filmcast to learn more. All right, Devendra, hit us up with one last thing you've been watching. That was the most anybody ever talked about Renfield. So good job. (laughs) Good job. I want to shout out a show called Bloodhounds, which is on Netflix right now. And this show absolutely rules. It is a Korean Mm, sort of like an action drama. It is. It's very good. It is about two boxers who become friends. One is a very like straight laced Boy Scout. Very good guy. Everybody thinks he's a good guy. Takes care of his mom. And the other is kind of like a wild card hotshot boxer. And they become friends, of course. It's very much a Top Gun situation. Um, But they're not doing so well. They find themselves uh, basically as protection for a good moneylender versus a gang of bad moneylenders. You know, I I don't know if they're actually in Seoul, but they're in a city. And... um, the show is just a lot of fun. Like it is very, very sweet, but the action is a reason to watch it. And I want to point out that uh, Pete Lee 
over on Twitter, Kung Fu Pete, uh, has like written quite a bit about like what makes the action really interesting in the show. And it is, it's just like very good and visceral. It is mainly boxing style, but the choreography is done in the way that, um, it is the actor jumping into the fight and seeking out moves and seeking out timing. And it just looks so thrilling, especially compared to like older Rocky movies or something. I think the new Creed movies have gone like more towards this. Um, but especially in like a fight, the, these guys are all often in fights surrounded by other dudes and the way they move through a crowd and just like, just wallop people in front of them, I think is just very, very fun to watch. And the show itself is, uh, it's fine. It's, it's kind of like, I think it's, um, it's a little cheesy at times, but I think the relationship between these guys is good. Um, I think the, the main guy is probably too much of a boy scout. Like he is just so good. Everybody loves him. He's good to his mom. Everybody loves him. Um, but it's fun to watch. It's really entertaining. I think the action just kicks butt and it escalates quite quickly too. I think the, by the end of the first episode, like you learn who the big bad is, um, you know, they're, they're, they don't always win every fight. And I think that's interesting too. So if you like a good action drama type show, and also if you like anime, like Hajime no Ippo, that was a very popular boxing show. This show does a lot of those things, but in live action. So I think it looks really cool. Check out the trailer for it. And if you're into like action dramas um, or you know this type of thing, I think it's worth checking out. I think you'd like it, Dave, if you gave it a shot. Yeah, it seems intriguing. I've seen some some social posts about it. So mm-hmm. the show's Bloodhounds on Netflix. Seems like a lot of fun. Jeff Kanata, anything else you've been watching? Yeah, I mentioned this uh, a while back and uh, I wanted to uh, bring it up one last time because we finished, as a family, we finished... A rewatch of La- Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yay! How wild is it that two of my favorite things are both called Avatar? That's just confusing <laughs> it's for me. Just funny. Yeah. It would be just. I just want to hate one of them. Just make it easy. Could I? Then I could be like Avatar. No, no, no. The one I like. But I like both of them. Um, in fact, I love both of them. Uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender is sublime. Uh, the three seasons originally aired on Nickelodeon. Um, I, I mentioned that, um, we started rewatching them, or at least it was a rewatch for me. First time for my wife, first time for my kids. Uh, and it has, it became a, uh, a, an amazing family activity where we would re- save them for right before bed. We'd be, have time. We have last, we have time to watch last airbender. Yes, we do. Okay. We'll watch 22 minutes of last airbender before yeah. bed. All get together on the bed in, uh, our bedroom and all watch together. And it was so amazing. I mean, it's not the kind of show my wife usually gravitates toward. She was loving it. My kids both loved it. My son would have all these theories about, you know, what was going to happen next. Just a delight. And um, it worked out this way. I didn't really plan it this way, but it worked out that uh, we got to the last episode on Father's Day. So we waited and watched the last big double episode. A good episode about a bad dad. Yeah, it is about nice. <laughs> it is about a bad dad. Um we watched the last double episode on Father's Day. It was very special for me. I I remember buying the Blu-rays of Avatar uh, years ago, right after it, you know, they were released. Uh, before I ever had kids, thinking I, I want to watch this with my kids someday, and I couldn't have ever imagined mm-hmm. it would work out. They would be this enthusiastic about it. It would become this family thing. It's so great rewatching. This so stuff great. With kids. It's yeah. so so great. And I have uh, I still have you know I'm holding out hope for the live action series that's coming soon. 
But I, Netflix uh, just like did they release some promo shots and they look like Avatar. They do people, look so. like the kids. You know. I'm, I'm like the casting looks pretty good. We'll see. But it's it is the one the creators of the series has disavowed. So yeah, that's, that's I have not no hope. Yeah, that's they, bad. They didn't that's disavow the M Night one, so I don't know. Yeah. They actually cast people of color in the roles. That's good. I, I think but they the also, creators have disavowed the show. <laughs> That's bad. I mean, they stopped working on it. I think of every M9 episode one, comes with a free yogurt. <laughs> they definitely did not like fully support the M Night One either. So they, um, they have made comments about. Uh, that. I have a few observations that I want to make just about uh, in rewatching the show. I was uh, surprised at how much I didn't remember because uh, I thought mm-hmm. I really remembered it all. But it had been you know 2007, I guess, since I last watched it all. So That's a while, and. Um, I think that the second season for me is the best season, start to finish. Uh, it's jam-packed with amazing stuff and so cool. Third season, I think, has some filler episodes. And I didn't remember that being the case, but I was like, oh, why are we sort of, we're moving toward the Comet's arrival and the big showdown that's going to happen at the end. And you got to fill some time. And, and you get like, the beach episode. The like, beach episode, the, the like yeah. going to school episode. It's like, what are we even doing? We're just kind of waiting around and, and it, uh, it, it, those are tropes of anime. So that, that I, is know, the, but, I think that's uh, the main reason those are in there. But they're also it is kind of fun because in the my my daughter like constantly rewatches the series. So I'm basically always on this rewatch cycle, Jeff. Um, the run up to the finale is so dark. Like it is it is just rough. So yeah. it is nice to have be like, OK, we're going to go to the beach because the world can end. This yeah. kid has to kill the emperor. Uh, let's go to the beach for a while, guys. Let's yeah. just re- recharge, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. And I, I I sense that, you know, there is these moments of levity on this sort of dark path toward inevitability that, that the show is on. But um, I mean, the characters are also wonderful. I love how they have them grow and change over time. That's not u- something you usually see in in animation, certainly not in the mm-hmm. era that these were coming out as episodic Nickelodeon television shows. Just wild to see. They were changing the look of the characters. They were maturing the characters over time. They were evolving and changing. That is just something that really stands out when you watch them all compressed like that uh, again. And the action, the action is incredible. The Just the choreography of it, the ideas that of what is happening, and the execution, you know, this is not a show that I think had a very big budget. It was a, like I said, it was a Nickelodeon episodic show. I think it was a, a hit at the time, but certainly I don't think it had mm-hmm. a huge budget. And yet they squeezed everything out of it. And it is just a marvel to watch, especially as it crescendos in the final season. And you see, you know, these, it, it really does save some epic stuff for the end. Um, it, I, it goes full like Dragon Ball Z after a certain point. I'm like, that's. Yes, this is cut in for what I've been waiting for, too. I want to throw a shout out here, by the way. Challenge to Dave. Watch this show with your nephew because yeah. they will love it. All right. That, that's a good idea. Have you never seen this one, Dave? I haven't. I haven't. It's, yeah. um, I have spent many years talking about animation. So whatever I would, excuse I can have to push it. Yeah, I would put this above Firefly. Honestly, as things yeah. I would want yeah, Dave yeah, to yeah. see. The, the, honestly, well, Dave, at this point, I don't want Dave to see Firefly. Like it's all Firefly <laughs> is all just like it's just <laughs> it's all messy bad now. history right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, I put Avatar: The Last Airbender shoulder to shoulder with the greatest fantasy stories ever told. I mean, it is it's it's shoulder to shoulder with Star Wars and anything Absolutely. else you want to put there. Lord of the Rings. It's it's that good and. 
it and it's it's made for kids it has a lot of goofy stuff in it but it is a mature smart story that holds together the internal logic it never falters it's beautiful it, it you take lessons from it i was also struck uh I don't think I'd had as much experience um, when I first watched the show, but now this time I was struck at how much it plays out like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Oh yeah. It yeah. really does. Uh, and you have your different classes in your, in your, in your party and how they have to move through the world and then get from point A to point B. Very, very interesting and cool. Uh, but yeah, Dave, I, I honestly, this is up there with, you know, Game of Thrones or any other fantasy story I, you'd want to throw at it. I think this uh, mm-hmm. belongs in that pantheon. If you take any any viewing suggestions, I think from either of us, this would be the one because I also remember, Dave, you got really into uh, how to train your dragon and a lot of those ideas, I think, honestly, first appeared within the show. Like there, there are very similar elements between these things. All right. Well, strong recommendation, and I will keep it in mind. That's Avatar The Last Airbender. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Is that how you watch it, Jeff? It is, it is yes. Even though I own the Blu-rays, it was easier to just it's just easier. It on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Netflix, I have one last thing to bring up that I've been watching. People. I don't remember who recommended this to me. I think someone DM'd it to me. Thank you for the listener who did that. Um, but People is a documentary series on Netflix about people who tried to be mermaids. Uh, and that is to say, like, perform as mermaids, dress up as mermaids. Uh, and I think overall, this is a very fascinating documentary. It's just, it's For, just how diff, it's just a whole bunch of stories about how difficult it is to get from your car to the pool. <laughs> 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 there are, uh, probably under, uh, like under a hundred people in the United States that can make a living being mermaids. Um, but there's this, uh, documentary follows multiple people as they kind of try to make their mermaid dreams come true. I'm yeah, surprised the number is that high, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> one thing I think you would like is that they have all these uh, puns for mermaids. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, they'll say like, there, there, "There's a um, a Finperial Council that uh, <laughs> you know awesome. uh, that that try that determines like who's you know that judges like a mermaid competition, and you have to figure out what your mersona is <laughs> when you're competing." <laughs> Uh, you get your like photo taken by already. a murtographer or whatever. You know, like there's all these kind of like puns that, that I was like, oh, Jeff would. Lo- Jeff is never going to watch this, but he would love this. It's both um, of those things are true. <laughs> it's a four part documentary series. Uh, each part is one hour long. Are that wait? No, and, can I? I'm sorry, I didn't keep interrupting yeah, you. Go ahead. The, the 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 pun thing makes me feel like they don't take themselves too seriously, but the tone of the documentary makes it seem like they take themselves extremely seriously. I think, uh, it's, it's serious. Oh, so, um, at one point you see a, uh, like a woman who trains mermaid, like her, this, there's this woman who's like pretty impressive and she manages a kind of crew of mer people, uh, like to appear at shows and performances and corporate events and so on and so forth. Like, and she, she's kind of an entrepreneur and she's like, Real, very impressive and you see her train a bunch of aspiring mermaids right or or like audition or train i don't remember which one it is but she says hey everyone remember what my number one rule is at so-and-so's school of mermaids and everyone repeats like everyone chants at the same time no dead mermaids that's her number <laughs> that's her number one rule that's a pretty good rule as far as you know more <laughs> schools should adopt the no dead students at the school uh, rule. well you you mentioned why it's serious tone because um if you think about it, it's a really 
ridiculous thing to do, right? Like the idea is, hey, you dress up as a mermaid in a silicone tail and then you go underwater and you need to appear as though you're completely cool with it. Like you, you yeah. your physical appearance is like, hey, this is where I was born. I don't need I, air at all. I don't dudes. need air at all. Like you yeah. need to make it feel effortless and like interact. You can't see shit because you're, you're, you're like pressing your, you know, hand against the glass, to like interact with like customers or people visiting the aquarium or whatever, but you can barely see what they're doing. Um, you're, the water may or may not be at a temperature far below your body temperature, you know, <laughs> yeah. like your, your heart's beating super fast and you need to take a breath as soon as possible. You can't let on that. That's how you feel inside. You know, um, it's a ridiculous profession. It's like, it's, it's amazing that anyone does it. Um, but, um, it's also possible you can die, uh, on any given day. Like it's very easy for you to die. Is this um, the end game for these folks? This is like their dream. This is what they want to do with life. Or is this like a, yeah, Bobby. one of one of the one of the people like their dream is to become a like there's a woman named Sparkles like her dream is to become a professional mer person. She lives in Arkansas. There's like no opportunities for someone who wants to do that. <laughs> couldn't it's, write this. And, you couldn't write it better. Yeah, it's, and it's like it's like this. It's in in many ways it feels like it kind of sums up the American dream, right? Which is like to to do what you love. Which, by the way, in this case, is something that doesn't have enough demand. Um, that more than a hundred people can do it for a living, you know, in the United States. These and, people but, like, typically people, are employed well, people still at what? chase it. They're still going to chase it, you know. So, They're employed at what, like, uh, like theme parks or something? That yeah, in a theme tank? parks, corporate events, uh, Renaissance fairs, you know, um, and uh, Renaissance fairs with large tanks of standing water. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, they tra wow. travel around with as large just tanks. in medieval times. Yes, <laughs> these large tanks of water. Right. Um, Th that was another thing is like for many people in order to make a living you need to travel you, you there's no like one place that can do it so i, I hope um, they featured the coney Island mermaid parade because that is i don't there, remember there that being, mermaids there yeah i don't remember that being in it but anyway um, you had one job documentary <laughs> <laughs> i think this is super fascinating and you know jeff you, you crack your jokes and that's fine but like the the documentary really gives a personal look at these people trying to make their dreams come true. It's a very like sympathetic view of these folks. You know, it's a very, yeah. and, and for many people, it's like, Oh, um, I had a lot of problems in life. I was in an abusive relationship or I was on drugs or whatever. And like being a mer person helped them to pull their life together. Cause it gave right. them something to focus on. Right. And that's what it's, it's, you know, I, I remember you liking speed cubers, chef, you know, the short yes, film on Netflix. Much. And this is kind of a version of that where like, yes, it's like more silly because it feels like more outwardly silly because, um, you don't need to like, <laughs> you, you, you won't die speed cubing most likely, you know, but like you might die being a mermaid. You might, you might go into poverty being a mer person. Um, and that just feels like a little bit disproportionate for most people. But it's a thing that people like, that there's a culture, there's a subculture behind it. And for some people, it really helps them mentally, you know, and well, emotionally. I, I certainly didn't so, intend to mock it. I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting, certainly a fascinating subject for a documentary. Yeah, I, I, I understand. You know, the thing is, I understand why people might mock it. Like, I, it's very understandable because it's like... Really? You're going to be a, you know, you can't breathe underwater, but you're going to be a merper? Like, Listen, it, it, it is a metaphor for every unattainable yes, profession exactly. in America, wherever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I so, wanted to write about technology. How many people do that? <laughs> we want to talk about movies on, on microphones. What? <laughs> it yeah, is going to be a bummer when the AI takes over all the murring in the world. <laughs> mm. It's so true. It's so true. But anyway, I think this is really 
great documentary. It's probably, you know, it's four episodes. It probably could have been three, three and a half, you know, but uh, overall, it's very, str- I got like really invested by the end in, in all these people. And, uh, and I think uh, you will too, if you watch Mer People on Netflix. So that is what we're watching this week. Let's do a few weekly plugs. Weekly plugs is part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making over on Decoding TV. We got a lot of TV coverage coming up, uh, but Black Mirror is a show we've been covering recently. Uh, also got some episodes covering The Bear, uh, Silo, and Secret Invasion in the works. So check it out at Decoding TV, podcast.decodingtv.com. That's my weekly plug. Devinder Hardware, what's your weekly plug? Yeah, I want people to check out the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. Uh, we talked about the Reddit revolt and why the subreddits went offline. And we were joined by Ryan Broderick, the writer of Garbage Day. Very smart dude about internet culture. So I think it's a good discussion. And if you're trying to figure out like what the heck is happening on Reddit, it's worth taking a listen. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug? Well, as my weekly plug, I'd like to mention again uh, the fact that I'm going to be running Hood to Coast, which is a very famous... 24 hour, 48 hour, I don't know, very long uh, relay <laughs> that goes. Um, I, I think you should probably know how uh, long it is, Jeff. You know, it you all know. blurs together. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm running from Mount Hood to the coast in Portland uh, at the end of August uh, with a group of uh, guys. This is a very famous, um, long standing uh, relay race where uh, you and 11 people that you are teamed with uh, st- reside in a couple of vans. And you get out and you run and then you get back in and somebody else gets out and runs and then you drive to the next place and then somebody else gets out and runs and nobody sleeps. It goes nonstop uh, for uh, for as long as it takes for you to get there. And it was over 24 hours, I think. And uh, it, it's, it's pretty insane. But the good news is I'm doing it for a cause. And that cause is the Providence Cancer Institute, which is doing research into prostate cancer specifically. Uh, and I'm uh, attempting to raise money uh, based on this run. I mentioned it a few times before, and uh, we have already raised $5,663 as of this moment right now, which is Woo! amazing. Amazing. Uh, almost halfway to the goal of 12000 uh, I think it's attainable. Um, and you can you can donate. You can help raise money for this very, very worthy cause by going to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash run Jeff run. Bit.ly slash run Jeff run will get you to my donation page. Any amount will help, you know, just a couple of dollars, $5, $10, whatever you can spare uh, will help uh, this cause. And I will be very grateful as I'm running at three o'clock in the morning on no sleep at all, wishing that I hadn't done this. I will think of the money that is being raised and I will be bolstered. So uh, bolster me, uh, bit.ly slash run Jeff run. All right. Uh, and I also want to give a plug to the podcast, of course. Patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can support the show uh, and sign up for ad-free episodes, exclusive After Darks. This week on the After Dark, we got Extraction re- Extraction 2 review coming at you. Next week, it's going to be Asteroid City and other fun things. Also, early access to episodes. That's an occasional uh, little bonus we throw in there for you. Patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. You can always support us 
by leaving a star rating for us on Apple Podcasts, or even better, follow us on any of our video platforms, youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod, instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. Share our videos on your Insta stories. It helps get us a lot of exposure. It's super uh, easy to do. It's free, and it helps us a great deal. So we really appreciate anyone who does that. Again, at instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. Okay, let's get to our review of The Flash. I love you. Thank you. Touching you into Mr. Wayne. No, please don't. Um, I need you here now, Barry. So you're saying you could travel back in time? But Bruce, I can fix things. I can save people. I can save my mom. I can save your parents. You can also destroy everything love you man. i love you too so how was it this week how's school school was good oh this is mad trippy dude this is catastrophic welcome to the film cast's review of the flesh i'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from imdb Barry Allen uses his super speed to change the past, but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes, forcing him to race for his life in order to save the future, end quote. I'm David Chen here with Devinder Hardware and Jeff Kanata. And before we begin this review, I do think it's worth acknowledging that Ezra Miller has uh, allegedly been on a reign of terror around the world. Uh, and there's many people who are disgusted by uh, what they have done, Ezra Miller uses they them pronouns, mm-hmm. and uh, refuse to watch this movie and refuse to support it in any way. And I completely understand that. Uh, if that is your position, uh, we totally understand and support that. Uh, we've all seen the movie. We're going to talk about the movie, uh, but uh, just wanted to acknowledge that that is a factor. And uh, and Ezra Miller's treatment, I think, does in many ways reflect the hypocrisy of Hollywood that this movie is still coming out. And it's also uh, weird that this movie directly makes fun of that in a way. Too? That was kind odd. Of that weird. was weird. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, all that said, uh, there there is a lot of baggage going into this movie. Not just Ezra Miller's terrible deeds, but also uh, this movie is kind of a relic of a different version of the DC universe, right? This was kind of supposed to be one of the follow-ups to Justice League. Uh, this character was introduced in Justice League, and then uh, now, like, was supposed to help build out this universe that now is probably going to be replaced. Now. Uh, the head of DC, James Gunn, has said like uh, all options. Like I don't think James Gunn has ruled out anything when it comes to the Flash. He hasn't said like the Flash is definitely out of the next phase of the DC uh, EU. But my or guess this is, version of the Flash, this version yeah. of the Flash. My guess is it sure would make life easier. If the, he yeah, is not my there. guess is this is going to be the last time we see this character on screen, unless this movie makes like you know over a billion dollars, which I I don't think it will. Um, but we'll see. Uh, so we, it's just we, yeah. we we still have Aquaman two coming as yeah. well, right? Which yeah. is uh, a vestige of that previous regime, so to speak. Uh, but you know, it, it's actually kind of a bummer that that film is coming after this one because this one, in a way, could be a really good way to close the book on mm-hmm. this, you know, yeah. it kind of sums it all up in a, in a way we'll yeah. get to it. I'm sure. But yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I bring all that up to say it's a weird movie. It's, it's the 
the, the fact that it's coming out at this time is weird. The fact that it's in the middle of this big DC shakeup is weird. Um, the fact that its star has been mired in so many controversies because of the terrible things they've done and therefore has basically not participated in most of the promotion for the film is weird. Um, the fact that a lot of the marketing for the film doesn't feature the star that prominently is weird. So it's just all very, very odd. Um, so that being said, does allow us the opportunity to approach it with virtually no expectations. And given that that's the case, I don't know if that's or, true. <laughs> <laughs> given that that's the case, Devendra, I am curious, what did you think of The Flash? You know, I was not expecting much going to this movie, uh, specifically because I... I loved the first It movie. I loved Mama, that first movie by Andy Machete. That is a great horror movie. It too was one of the more disappointing sequels I, I remember in recent memory. Like that that thing, that whole thing happened. It was so weird. So I, <laughs> I thought you were saying Mama, like no, was no. one of the it, more. Di- but you're saying It, it chapter number two, two it chapter, chapter two, two. Yes, was just hugely disappointing to me and made me wonder. Like, it, it, is Andy Machete a good director? I don't know anymore. Um, but no, I to had be a lot fair, of fun. To be yeah. fair, the It novel is not does not have the greatest ending either it doesn't have the greatest ending so it has a better ending than that so Um, yeah 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 um i mean having read it uh, as a teenager like yeah it is messy but it is it could be done better (laughs) um but that being said i had a lot of fun with this movie and i think andy machete has proven himself to be a very capable director of superhero stuff and this goes back to what we're saying about horror directors being very good at superhero stuff like genre directors just kind of fit right in. There was also the news recently. I think he's being tapped for the Batman Brave and the Bold. So yeah. that's that's happening. It's happening for him. I had a lot of fun with this movie, despite the Ezra Miller of it all. Um, I do think it made me very multiverse weary, just because we're we're in this so much in in pretty much every every single comic property now. It's I'm getting tired of it. It's it's a victim of timing because it's coming out right after Across the Spider-Verse and right after Marvel has done a bunch of this stuff. But that's that's just how I'm seeing it. This movie also is two and a half hours long. And good God, like if any you're, you're flash, you're the flash, you're supposed to be fast. Uh, if anything deserved like a zippy, nice, fun, comic booky experience, it should have been the flash. The flash should not feel like the slot. You okay, shouldn't be so, watching this on 2x speed. That's the way the exactly. Flash is meant to be watched. That's the way it is. So I think it is way too long. I think a lot of the ideas in it are muddled. But the emotional core of this movie of, you know, Barry Allen trying to save his mother and doing what he can to do that. I think it really hits. I think the actor who plays his mom is very, very good in this movie. And I, I felt that emotional connection. So th- there are good bones here. It's just overstuffed. The VFX are also shockingly bad in this movie. Uh, there are certain sequences, especially one involving babies, where I looked around at the audience, and actually my theater was pretty empty, but I looked around at people and uh, was just wondering if they were as perplexed as I was because it looked like pre-production first draft, like CG work. It just was really bad. At the same time, I think some of the visuals look fantastic. The way it shows the speed force, some of that stuff early on um, looks good. The way they use uh, the Flash's powers later on too. And when he's joined up with other people, there's there's like, you know, double Flash action, which we know is going to happen from the trailer. A lot of that stuff looks really cool and is framed really well. So I, I think Andy Machete gets the action part of it. Um, but as a story, as a script, I really wish this was tightened up a bit because, yeah, this this movie should be a fun, fast romp. It should not feel like it's taking forever to get to, you know, the end. Yeah, uh, we should acknowledge a few things. First of all, as you pointed out, Devendra, uh, we now have learned that Andy Muschietti has been tapped to da- direct Batman uh, Brave and the Bold. Mm hmm. 
which is one of the upcoming James Gunn universe, DC universe, Batman movies. Uh, and I do think that's notable because it shows that James Gunn and company were impressed enough with this movie that they're like, yeah. we want to stay in the Andy Muschietti business. And that's like, that's not, this was a, this is a movie that they actually really enjoyed. James Gunn said it's one of the best superhero films he's ever seen. So it's like, uh, they're, they're sticking with Andy Muschietti. Whether or not mm-hmm. there's going to be more of the Flash, open question, but there are definitely going to be more Andy Muschietti movies, probably in the DC Universe. The other thing I want to mention is over the weekend, it came out that the Flash's visuals were supposed to look that weird. I don't know if you saw. Uh, Jermaine Lucier and uh-huh. a bunch of other people wrote this up, but uh, at Gizmodo, Jermaine Lucier quoted uh, Andy Muschietti talking about the visual effects of the, of the movie. Uh, and... The answer that Andy Muschietti provides is, uh, uh, or, or uh, quote, I'm going to quote from the article. The idea, of course, is we are in the perspective of the Flash. Everything is distorted in terms of lights and textures. We enter this water world, which is basically being in Barry's POV. It was part of the design, so if it looks a little weird to you, that was intended, end quote. Now, mm. I don't buy it. That, I think that, yeah. I think it is, I, I, or, or if, if, if that is true, then I think that they did not convey the effect that they wanted to. And um, I also think like the design aspect that I would buy in some later scenes, which we'll talk about in spoilers, I would buy it in those scenes. I would not buy it in the in the scene that's just like the real world slowdown. Like that's a very different thing. We, yeah, we, we see later. multiple yeah. scenes of real world slowdown that do look photorealistic. Yeah. So it's like that some of them don't. And it's like it, it, it feels clear to me that either the effect did not hit the intended target or they didn't have a chance to finish it because there are a ton, like hundreds, if not thousands of visual effect shots in this movie. So uh, I completely understand why they might not have time to finish them all. Yeah. Uh, but the, I agree with you, Devendra, the visuals were either awesome or terrible in this movie. They're, they're both. There's some that were great, some that really didn't look like they were done. Jeff Canato, what did you think of The Flash? Well, Dave, what I thought of The Flash is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Mm. By linking today to the past, expectations of mine were surpassed. I'd never have guessed when I list DC's best, Flash would run to the top quite so fast. Wow. Jeff, also a fan of the Flash movie. I agree with James Gunn. I think this is one of the best superhero movies ever made. I think it's, it's certainly the best DC superhero movie since Nolan. Um... I had so much fun with this movie. I got emotional. Uh, it, it delivers literally everything I could want from a two-hour-plus summer movie. I think this is one of the best movies of the summer. Uh, I had a great time. It's such a bummer to me that Ezra Miller has all of this baggage because they are amazing in this movie. Like Amazing. Like, the performance... Yeah disassociate from if you are able to disassociate from the real world baggage the performance is phenomenal uh it's it's a star turn and they are asked to do so much in this movie uh playing multiple characters and it is so much fun and the movie acknowledges sort of its influences in that regard and some some of its influences are you know some of my favorite movies of all time uh and of course we get Michael Keaton and I am just delighted. I'm such a Michael Keaton fan and he's awesome in this. Um, the f- action sequences are killer. I see what you both are saying with regard to some of the visual effects, uh, particularly the babies. 
Um, the they do look like dolls. I, they do I will look never; like dolls. those babies will never leave my mind, Jeff. They I look will like never dolls. Forget the babies, but I it did not bother me. It did not detract from what I thought was such a fun. And you know, you say it's long. I did not feel the length of it. I did not. It did not feel like a slog to me. I had a blast. I was having so much fun with all the characters and some of the big surprises. Um, I loved it's. It's amazing to me, and you referenced this too, Devendra, it's amazing to me that we keep seeing a, approaches to a multiverse, mm -hmm. and every time it's a great movie. I <laughs> like every, everything everywhere all at once. Spider-Man, uh, live action Spider-Man. Like, it doesn't matter. Evidently, this subject matter is works. <laughs> and I wonder if that speaks to where we are in popular culture where everything is a reference to everything else and mm -hmm. everything we are so seeped in memes and pop culture literacy and you know knowledge of that movies that sort of take advantage of that and bend back on themselves and use all of those tools to tell a, a story i think are particularly primed to work in our Mm -hmm. pop culture brains right now maybe maybe that's just a theory i'm running i, with, I think we also desperately want to live in another universe we want to get true. out of this timeline well that's so, true yeah. too we want to be I, able to think that we can fix things or change mm -hmm. things or move things to another timeline or yes right. i mm -hmm. mean i think the bit you know you guys have presented some plausible reasons why multiverse stories seem to resonate so much but for me the one that thematically is most interesting with real life is just this idea that uh every one of us lost some like every one of us had a future mm -hmm. that was taken away from us in the pandemic somehow, right? Like we all had yeah. this alternate future that we didn't experience because we lost a significant portion of our lives to this thing. And I think there's a lot of people that think of what might've been, and that's basically the, you know, yeah. multiverse storytelling is the ultimate manifestation of that. I think yeah. that's um, not untrue, but I don't think yeah. that's the entire story. Sure. I think there's yeah, more to it than that. I think so much, so much of the fun of Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home, uh, and this movie are the not the the breadth of knowledge we have mm -hmm. about pop culture and its permutations and how they can pluck from all those permutations and and craft something that acknowledges all of the different ways that these properties have been used and changed and and reinterpreted over time <clears throat> and you know people of our age who have lived through the sort of rise and fall and re-rise of a lot of these these pop culture properties these IP you know when that journey is acknowledged and sort of is and referenced and used and, and sort of honored in some way. I think there's a, a, a gratification to that. I don't, yeah. I don't know about kids walking in there without any of that knowledge, uh, enjoying it quite as much, mm -hmm. but I certainly to, to your, to your point, by the way, Jeff, we are all Rutger Hauer at the end of Blade Runner. We have seen things. That is how we describe the world by references to things. Exactly. And that's that's our entire worldview. Also mm. want to point out it's very much the ready player one thing too, where this pop this pop culture exists and has defined this. And now it's all it's all just like a catamary domacy ball of pop culture. <laughs> like it, it's just building and building. And I think this movie is like one of the biggest examples of that as far I back agree, as it but goes. I, yeah. But I, I think that's you can you kind of present that as a pejorative and i i don't necessarily i don't think it is necessarily i mean could certainly be good or bad into yeah. the spider-verse could be described that way across the spider-verse could be described that way you know no way home could be described that way i think those are some of the greatest movie experiences i've had and i would put flash and everything everywhere all at once i would put those as top tier cinematic experiences for me i had a blast with flash i 
I don't know how much I would change. I love, I love the look and feel of how the flash moves and, yeah. and the expression of that superpower is really mm -hmm. cool and very different than we've ever seen it before. Um, you know, obviously we've seen the slowdown stuff, but just the sort of like kinetic, the way he moved, you know, we saw it in um, the Justice League movie, the way he sort of slow motion moves and his arms are wildly flailing. I love that. But the, the like the way electricity is expressed in this movie and the lightning yeah. and all of they that even, stuff. They even get the like pose, the like flash getting ready to run yeah. pose. It's like, oh, that's that's familiar. And yeah. that is Ezra Miller doing that very, very difficult looking pose, too, which is and, and that's I would just say physicality. Yeah. One of the best things about this movie that has been all too rarely used utilized in the sort of post Snyder version of the DC universe is it's very funny. Yeah. It's very funny intentionally. It's, it's deft at its, its humor. It is, it is, there are broad comedic sections of the film that are intended to just entertain and make me laugh. And I was laughing a lot through it. I thought it was really well done in that way. We saw, you know, little glimpses of humor in the wonder woman movies but not to the extent this movie uses them. And I think, you know, I don't want to say they learned from Marvel in this way, but it's certainly something that shares uh, in a lot of Marvel films where it's, they're not afraid to, in a big, you know, high octane, you know, serious movie where we're blasting aliens from space, uh, still take time to be goofy and silly and fun. And I had so much fun in, with Flash in that regard. And, and, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Ezra Miller for a very a finely tuned comedic performance, I think. I largely agree with Jeff on this one. You know, I think this was a very enjoyable movie. I mean, I think I love this kind of story, which mm -hmm. is time travel story. Like time crimes is one of my favorite movies. The idea of trying to escape, you know, back to the future, one of my favorite movies, the idea of trying to escape your past, the idea of like the past and the present being these oppressive forces that you can't escape from. Like all this stuff is, it just, it just appeals to David Chen generally. This I'm in that boat of, too. This type yeah. of time travel story. So it's like, okay. And this is a very competent execution of it. I would say very competent execution. So, um, I think this movie did a good job of delivering on that very basic level. Uh, I also agree that again, uh, if you evaluate Ezra Miller's just performance in and of itself, separately than from any of the context around it, uh, I think they do a solid job. They have to play against themselves mm -hmm. as a younger version of themselves, and I think that's just a fascinating idea. Who among us hasn't thought about? what it might be like to go back in time and be able to like interact with your past self and how angry and disappointed and frustrated you might be at that person, you know, and, yeah. and how, how much, how much positivity you might wish for their future that like might go unfulfilled. Like all that stuff is brought up by this movie. Now. Mm -hmm. Also, can I say I, one, one quick thing yep. about that? Um, you're talking about visual effects. Remember a time when, you could sort of see the seams there, when anybody There's an would... invisible line yes. down the center of the screen. Do you remember yeah. that? You remember yeah, how yeah. frequent Jackie it was so Chan. obvious? And then yeah. like Multiplicity Man came mm -hmm. out. And, mm -hmm. Speaking of Keaton. Uh, but like we have gotten to the point now where it's it just seems so casual to yeah. be mm -hmm. able to put an mm -hmm. actor with themselves. It's yeah, wild. Yeah. And what's, wild. what's you know, what's amazing is any shot where there's uh the actor uh, with themselves, like every, every single shot that that has to be meticulously planned out. Yes, you know, and there's so it, much of it in this movie, and yeah. there's so much of 
the actor physically interacting with themselves. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. wild to like that used to be so hard to do. Yeah. And uh it just seems so effortless. Like there there aren't specific shots where they're doing that. It's just happening all the time yeah it's movie. happening all the time yeah and there's uh, you know if you want another great example uh dead ringers on prime video with rachel vice she plays a dual role in that and it's just it feels like magic you know yeah it really and, does and what, what there's um like you know one of my favorite shots from dead ringers is like she's interacting with her uh twin sister in dead ringers in an elevator and the, you know you can kind of see like and i'm like in my mind i'm like oh i see the invisible line that they did and then right at the last minute she like reaches out and like grabs her hand and it's like it's like a magical. I was like, oh, it took me, it took me, took my breath away because I'm like, oh wow, that's amazing. You know, there's those kinds of moments where you're like, oh, I think I knew how they did that in the. But then in this movie, it's it's way beyond that because like Dead Ringers is, is a lot of like static shots. It's very like locked up. This is like the the shots are moving. There's tons of visual effects, uh, different lighting conditions. So yeah, you just kind of accept it. I might have an apo- unpopular opinion on the following, which is. Um, the presence of Michael Keaton in this movie uh-huh. activated something in my lizard brain where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, and the Danny Elfman theme. Like, all the Danny Elf- I have, I have played yeah. the, I yeah. learned how to play the Danny Elfman theme on piano when I was in like elementary school. Like, it's a core part of my childhood. So to see Michael Keaton at all was like yeah. amazing. And they shamelessly I, use that theme. I mean, at every mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. he's on screen, there's some Danny Elfman hint coming creeping in i don't think the juice was worth the squeeze in my mm, what i mean by you. that is yeah what i mean by that is like okay let's let's let me take another we'll talk more in spoilers but let's yeah. take another example of um no spider-man no way home so at this point like spoilers for spider-man but you know the other spider-men show up in spider-man no way home that to me meant a lot uh it meant a lot because first of all on a baseline level those characters talk about their experiences they yep. all had different experiences as spider-man and they talk about them and how it shaped them differently, yep. right? This should be in spoilers, this this okay. conversation. Right. I completely right, understand where you're coming from, yeah, yeah, but okay, we okay. need to talk about it in spoilers. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Fair. Yep. Fair, fair point. But uh, my, my, you know, overall point being, I don't think this movie does that, but we'll talk about more more, more momentarily. Um, but overall, I think like when it comes to the time travel stuff, it delivers. And and I cried a little bit at the end. It's very moving. It's a very moving story. Uh, my theater went wild for this movie. It's a very crowd-pleasing movie. Like... Uh, they they loved all these. There's a lot of like red meat for the DC fans in this movie, and the the movie is very unabashed about throwing this red meat at the audience, and the audience ate it up. They were like, "This is amazing." They loved it. So, I mean, uh, it really is the Spider-Man No Way Home of the DC universe in many ways. In many ways, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if that's your kind of movie, then I think you'll like this movie. Uh, but overall, it, it sounds like we all thought it was a solid superhero film. Uh, and that's pretty rare in the DC universe, uh, or has felt rare in the past, at least. So anyway, much more to discuss. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Let's get to spoilers for The Flash starting right now. 
I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth! Inconceivable! I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. All right, it's time for the parents to fight. Me and Jeff... (laughs) I um, may be on your side a bit here too, Dave. Yeah, so. that'll be, yeah. That'll be hey, great. Listen, Let's I, see. I said I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I'll let yeah, you okay. state your case, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I so understand just, where you're coming I'll from. I'll finish the case, which is just that like, when they brought back the Spider-Man in No Way Home, uh, first, like on a baseline level, the Spider-Man talk about their experiences. Like uh-huh. There's a reason each of them kind of brings something different to why they're there. They're different um, ages. They're, They've they're gone different through different ages. things. Yeah. Uh, but also, like both of those Spider-Man franchises in my opinion ended ignominiously yes like yes they andrew garfield i think was just treated poorly by the franchise mm-hmm. um spider-man 3 some people praise it but like many the sam raimi spider-man 3 many people don't think it was very good and kind of like a a bummer entry to end the series on yeah um so the idea that you come back and kind of like redeem it uh and have these these characters all like kind of celebrate their spider-man-ness together um, was very powerful to me. You know, it was my number two movie of that year. Michael Keaton. It was your number one movie of that year. I think it was uh, Nine Days. Was it that, that movie? Yeah. Maybe. So, oh, I thought he was number um, one. No, no, anyway, no. It, it doesn't was, matter. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Sorry. So, um, Michael Keaton. Um, I don't think Michael Keaton brings anything to this film. Like his How version of Batman you? brings anything to this film. Let me finish the sentence, Jeff. Mm-hmm. That. Um, oh, you finished it. <laughs> That any other version of Batman, including Ben Affleck's version of Batman, couldn't have brought to this. You know, like, uh, it could have been Ben Affleck he, in this version of the universe. He's old and, well, you know, all the other stuff has, you know, whatever. Or he's not Batman anymore and he needs to come back. Like, it's um, the iconography of yeah. Michael Keaton's Batman is beautifully done. The original Batmobile, mm, the Batwing, amazing. Beautiful. Love it. But it's yeah. just like beyond, hey, look, it's the cool thing. I don't know that you needed to have Michael Keaton in this. Movie. It also doesn't yeah. do much with it, which is yeah. my thing. Like That's you see thing. Michael yeah. Keaton move as an old man better than he ever did in the first <laughs> Batman or Batman Returns. He's he's a 60 something old man. He is moving like a 20 year old gymnast. Uh, there's no verisimilitude to this performance. Like he should be old. He should be tired. We see him uh, after the battle. It's like, oh, I'm I'm beating, you know, I'm sewing all my cuts. I am a tough guy. That is even a moment to express some sort of vulnerability here mm-hmm. in terms of his age and the life he lived. And this movie doesn't really do that. Yeah. He is just there to wear the suit, say the lines, say the thing. And the he audience did not need go, to say, let's go nuts. I hated yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but the yeah. audience can go, hey, it's the thing yeah. you remember. Okay. Do the thing. Do the thing. Say the line. The yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeff Kanata, make the case. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to actually restate what you said, mm-hmm. I think, in a more focused way <laughs> in a more eloquent articulate <laughs> no, focused, no 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 better. just in a more well <laughs> yeah. he, maybe it's not exactly how you feel but yeah. here's where i agree with you mm-hmm. contextually for this film there's no reason it should be michael keaton mm-hmm. the yeah. idea of no way home is that there are these multiverses and we the audience in the seats right. have witnessed different versions of Spider-Man that have existed uh, in parallel, right? And this movie brings them all into the the same timeline briefly, right? And that makes sense, right? We did see a different version of Spider-Man and those different versions of Spider-Man didn't acknowledge each other. They happened in parallel. 
This movie says Ezra, Mil- Ezra Miller's character, it's The Flash, Barry Allen, yeah. goes back in time and changes time to a version of time where Eric Stoltz played uh, mm-hmm. Marty McFly, which yeah. is not the world that Michael Keaton's Batman was in. That's not the world Michael Keaton's Batman was in. Michael Keaton's Batman sure, was in a world sure. where... Do we, do we know that, though? I don't think we know that. No, there's no proof, Jeff. No, we, no, I'm the, saying from the audience's perspective. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In, as an audience I, I member, see, because, because Michael I Keaton saw was Michael in Keaton's... Our, we, we, he was in our universe, and we yeah. had a Michael J. Fox back then. It's right? a different okay. universe than Ben Affleck's Batman is in, but it's not a different universe than Michael J. Fox's Marty McFly was in. We, we don't know whether Back to the Future existed in Tim Burton's <laughs> Batman's world. Though. We but, don't. Okay, we fair don't. enough. But the point, I, I the point trying I'm to trying to make is <laughs> that... Ahead. Make what yeah. the language of the movie is different yeah. than the language of the Spider-Man movie. The language of this movie yes. Yes. is isn't that hey audience member, yeah. all of these things were ha- happening in parallel. All the fictions that right. you saw were right. happening in parallel, and for this moment they converge. That's not know. the language of the Flash. Correct, Jeff. I don't know if you know this, but when you make a change in the past, it doesn't diverge. It's like a fulcrum. When, when did Batman become a quantum <laughs> physics expert? I did love by that. The way. I did love that because I, that's actually accurate to quantum. Okay. That is, that is right. actually accurate, accurate fair, to quantum fair physics. It's, I thought it was fine. It's, it's cool. I it's fine. It's I just, love it's the, spaghetti. Like the spaghetti scene. We've seen that scene <laughs> yeah. in so many movies yeah. and yeah. I've never seen it done like that and it was awesome. That was awesome. It was yeah, cool, fair. but it did leave me asking, when did Bruce Wayne get his <laughs> physics PhD? He's the world's like, greatest detective. He's the world's greatest detective. world's greatest detective. He built all that stuff that you see in the cave. Wants people to build that for him. He's a billionaire. Come on, Jeff. All right, All right Jeff. All right. Finish yeah, your point. Not... Finish your point. Finish your point, Jeff. So here's where I agree with you. Yeah. I sat there going, this movie is not giving me the mm-hmm. tools as the viewer to justify why it's Michael Keaton and not Ben Affleck, right? It's not expressing the multiverse in a way that is like, oh yeah, he's jumped to the timeline of Michael Keaton's universe. Because he hasn't, right? That's not right. what the movie is saying. Right, correct. It's, it's, correct. It is arbitrary that it's Michael Keaton. So yep. that is where I totally agree with you guys. And I think that's a failure of the movie. It's a, it's a, not a failure. It's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity of the movie to feel like that. Because ultimately what the movie gets to when we get into that moment of him seeing all the different spheres and it's like, that is that idea mm-hmm, expressed. Mm-hmm. It is like, hey, there was a universe where the Kevin Smith Superman movie got made. And I will tell mm. you guys, I lost my ever loving mind when they showed that. <laughs> I did think of you during that. Yeah. I lost my, and I lost, it was such a funny thing. And I don't mean to say this in a way to brag or anything like that. I just <laughs> want to tell you the truth of what happened, which is I got it like 38 seconds before the rest of my audience. Mm-hmm. Like I, I went, like that in the middle of it, and it was dead <laughs> silent and i went i saw the spider and i was like yeah, ah! yeah. And, and 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 but like people were like what and then and then full-on nicholas cage face came on and everybody lost it but like it was such an amazing moment because i was like i don't know it's just a step we, ahead yeah we i mean we should explain we should explain that it, it is a part of internet lore that kevin mm-hmm. smith helped to popularize which is that there was another version of superman that was going to be made that starred nicholas cage and that featured a giant spider if you google this kevin smith spider you'll find the story yeah. they should have uh, done the suit they should have done the test suit though mm. the like glowing test suit that yeah. that, that is also internet lore. i mean they did yeah. the long hair from the yeah, test they like the right, yeah. they but did yeah, the version 
Google Kevin Smith Spider-Man's uh, or Superman spider story. He's told the story many times at Comic-Con. It's, it's and, like a legendary story. Yeah. But yeah, there are, I, I'm bringing it all up because I can understand there might be people, especially some of the younger folks listening who might not know what that's all about. But anyway, yeah, the, um, the point I'm trying to make is that moment where we're seeing that, yeah. we're seeing Christopher Reeve, which also yeah. kind of made me like feel like, eh, that's a little icky. Yeah. But, um, yeah. and, and seeing, you know, even, um, what's his name? Uh, George, George Reeve. Reeve. Yeah. Uh, and, and, mm. and, um, you know, the 60s Batman, we're seeing basically that idea, mm-hmm. which, you know, Into the Spider-Verse is done now, or excuse me, Across the Spider-Verse is done now. And th- that idea is that all these fictional interpretations that we, the audience, have lived through in the context of these movies are different timelines where those fictions are the true fiction of the IP. Yeah. So it gets there. Yeah. And, and and that's I found that to be very fun, a very fun moment, very cool, you know, fan service, yes, but yes. fun. It just doesn't it doesn't do that earlier. It doesn't do that to justify Keaton being there. Now, yes. so this yeah. is where I completely agree with you guys and have yeah. the same thought. Yeah. That said, it's fucking Michael Keaton, dude. <laughs> Well, that's, I feel, that's the, it, same, I feel the same way. I feel yeah. the same way. I'm yeah. like, dude, yes, it's, it's yeah. like, delightful to see him there. But I'm just saying, this is I how agree. we get him back in the suit. Like, okay, did I? Would I prefer a Batman Beyond movie where he gets to play yes. old Bruce Wayne with the pro? There you go. Yes, there you go. But nobody seems to be listening to those emails <laughs> that I keep sending. By the way, Ezra Miller would have been a great uh, the Batman Beyond guy. He like You're he right. looks just like yeah. him too. You're right. Um, my my thing is Jeff. Like, it, it is the lizard brain thing though. It is. I know you're tricking me. Yeah. I know what you're doing. Absolutely. And it's also like, you got to earn it. At, yes. l- at the very least, let him be old. Let him be in pain. Give me that verisimilitude. Preach. That is something that bothered me a bit about uh, It Chapter 2 as well. Like, there was a lot of weird tonal shifts in that movie. And it's like, they didn't fully understand, like, what they were trying to tell with that. So that, Nobody, wa- that's- nobody wants to see old Batman. I mean, Batman Beyond. I do. You're asking for Batman Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, but that's different. He's old. He's not on the suit. He can't move. I love, dude. Every single second that Keaton was in that suit, Uh doing whatever it was he was doing, I was like exploding inside. (laughs) Not moving like Michael Keaton. I don't care. Like a CG character, like not even like a stuntman. Honestly, most of the time, like when he's flying down, busting up those dudes. Dude, it's the summer of old dudes. I mean, I just saw Neon Jones last night. It's the summer of old dudes just doing it. It's okay. Let, Let the old dudes do it. I. I also want to say Affleck was awesome in this movie. The first action sequence with Batman, that first action sequence with Batman like f- falling behind the things and bouncing off stuff, that was e- awesome. I loved it. It was epic. It, it was more the the post scene with with Wonder Woman like that. It's uh that Bruce Wayne with Barry Allen being funny together. I think is a lot of fun. The shot the shot from the bridge mm-hmm. where you see the car fall and we stay here. We don't cut closer. We stay on the bridge, and you just see Batman like hop out of the car door, shoot the the um, yeah yeah the, the battery the, the, the what the is grappling it grappling hook grappling hook yeah. yeah and it hits yeah. in the yeah. foreground. Sick shot, dude. Yeah, that's sick. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like that. I like that. But okay, it doesn't sound like you're really arguing against what I'm saying, which is that I'm saying I, you're right, but more you are wrong. Hmm. I think I feel largely the same way, which is like, I enjoyed Michael Keaton in this movie as well, but I'm like, oh, I wish the movie had A, done more to earn his presence in the film, B, done more with the character once he showed up. And one of the problems of the movie is it is very overstuffed. Like there are 
like they need to get Michael Keaton in the movie. They need to get Kara Zor-El in the movie. They need to theoretically have each of them have like some kind of satisfying arc, which, you know, there is an arc for each of those characters, but it's like the most perfunctory arc. I, for I each did of not them. see an arc for Kara. Like that, that well, felt weird to well, me. Well, she hates yeah. humans she hates and then humans doesn't. And then doesn't. You know, so that's that's the arc yeah. because she sees that humans are good, kind of. Okay. Um. So yeah, and then uh, she dies. Yeah, and then Michael Keaton dies. Why so, are you going to bring back Michael Keaton to kill him as Batman? <laughs> I didn't need that image. Well, we in my life. He, I don't know. Multiple I, times. Yeah, multiple times. It's about yeah. changing. It's about changing the past. And you know, I, I well, know. okay, okay. So I'm just going to put this out there. Um, at some spoilers for Spider Man. Across the Spider-Verse, the one that just came out, okay? Spoilers for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse are going to happen. We're going to spoil both movies now. But I do want to acknowledge that I think there's a possibility that the Flash might have the opposite message of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, right? Uh, It it is is very much dealing with the same theme of what must happen or what must not happen. Exactly, and I this is why I'm kind of like... Everyone's like, "Oh, why, da- David Chen? Your 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 complaints are nonsense. We already know what Spider Verse is going to say." And I'm like, "No, we don't, guys. We like, don't. We the the second half of the movie could go in wildly different directions. We just don't know what it's going to say. Um, but what is clear is what this movie is saying, which I really like. Which is like, hey, the people we have lost, the tragedies that have happened to us, it, it is important that they were that way. Like they make us who we are. And even though we wish they never would have happened." Ultimately, by trying mm-hmm. to not make them happen, like we can actually do more damage to both I ourselves I and the people around us. They're That's- not incompatible, is the thing, because what what they're trying to solve, what Miles Morales is trying to solve, is something that will potentially happen versus something that did happen to Barry Allen's mom. Fair, so, I mean, you're, okay, fair enough. It, nothing I mean, is incompatible here. Okay, so, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Fair, I guess that's technically true, but... Actually, yes, we're talking a, about time. <laughs> we got to be technical. That's okay. a really astute point, mm-hmm. actually, Vindra. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very astute point because I think mm-hmm. that might be the fulcrum upon yep. which the entire Maybe. plot of Beyond yep. the Spider-Verse rests. It's possible. It's possible. We don't know. But we don't possible. know, but I, it's possible. Yeah, it's certainly but, possible. Uh, but I, but I, I, I love that 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 was the message of this movie. And like when yeah. he goes and says goodbye to his mom, it's amazing. It's very, amazing. it's uh, it's very goofy when the character says goodbye to his mom. But like, um, mm-hmm. because you know, <laughs> the whole I also thing. I think a mom would know a little bit. Like you're, he, he like shows very, up. He, he has shows up. Familiar. He has all these tags on his yeah. body. You know, like it's weird. But and and the mom no, might not be that receptive. To no him, mom but, would be like, are you? My time traveling son older. <laughs> there no, have been weird do. things. Well, the, the Mar- kid was Marty, like ten. At Marty that point, McFly. Right? What a you know what a lovely name. We should name my third child that. Um, <laughs> the uh, the kid the way, was you, ten right then. So yeah. By the way, um, you mentioned uh, the actor who plays uh, Nora mm-hmm. uh, is Maribel Verdu. People might recognize her from Itumama Tambien. Oh yes, um, still still crushing it after Love all these her. years. But yeah, she's amazing. Uh, but yeah, the, the scene at the end when like he mm-hmm. uh, meets his mom one last time, it, it was very, very powerful. Very powerful yeah, to I, me. I, I, I welled up. Yeah, and sure. it, it it delivers on the premise. It's like, hey, you tried to go back. You messed things up. Um, and it's like, we got to undo it and like make mm-hmm. exactly the exact way they were. Yeah. the solve for saving his dad was pretty clever. You know, just put them on the top shelf. That's great. It's <laughs> yeah, so great. It's okay. Very, very nice. I mean, we got to talk about the very final shot of the movie, which is very like... Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes, like the aristocrats me. kind of style yeah. ending. Uh, but yes, it, it is worth calling out that at the very end of the movie, you know, uh, Barry Allen has changed the time stream once again so that his father is exonerated at trial. 
And uh, as a result, he has changed what we now understand to be the past as well in this. So then he's walking out of the courtroom and Bruce Wayne shows up and out of the car, Bruce Wayne steps, but it's not Ben Affleck. It's George Clooney. Yeah, people clapped in my theater for that. Amazing. Like, just for George Clooney people being George Clooney. People that he freaked was out. willing that's to it. do it. Like, that's yeah, what you're yeah. clapping for. Is he was willing to do it. <laughs> he got out of a car. That's all we need you to do, George. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is why I said uh, in the in the earlier part of our review that I think this movie actually does a wonderful job of sort of closing the book on this version of the DCU because you can't do Ben Affleck as Batman anymore, right? If if he changed, if Barry Allen lives in the universe where George Clooney's mm-hmm. Batman, like it's it's just yeah. a wonderful this is his like, timeline though. Now we're done like, with all these characters. It just, it just felt like oh we've yeah. we've told the story of all these characters. We're done. We're yeah. going to do a new version now. Yeah, but I, the I, I kind of like, sequence is like. Mm-hmm. Oh, also Aquaman. We shot some scenes with Aquaman that we didn't put in this movie. Uh, Imagine I if Christian theater, Bale yeah. showed up at the end. That would have been like mind-blowing. I was right? thinking because no way see, yes. the motorcycle <laughs> looks a lot like the Tumblr yeah. like, motorcycle early on. But what I, what I was thinking too is like this is – I left the movie thinking like he's not home. He's not actually in yeah. his home timeline. Like maybe he changed – this is another branch. It's another he needs noodle. to go back and stop himself from putting the thing on the top corner, you know, and then – the only redo. the only solve. That's what yeah. he's going to do. Yeah. I mean uh, – I. I don't think having George Clooney as Batman is yeah. a is This a is a Homer, Homer Simpson in that Treehouse of Horrors episode. It's like, oh, this one's good enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. Close, exactly. Close enough. Yeah. We don't yeah. need to fix this one. We got yeah, George we Clooney. Clooney. Come on. Yeah. 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 Clooney, George Clooney, close <laughs> no, no, ha- no slide to Ben Affleck, but come on. <laughs> we have to also talk about the fact that this movie is about one man's quest to undo an unthinkable tragedy. That tragedy being the end of Man of Steel. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Just, hey, we see reenactments. Bravo. We see reenactments of the end of Man of Steel. Uh, Michael Shannon shows up as uh, it, it's love. Michael Shannon's awesome in everything. Like I just love seeing the the energy that he brings is is amazing. Uh, Jeff Kanata, I'm curious, like what you thought of the idea, like how this movie handled redoing the end of Man of Steel, basically. I loved it. I thought it was really cool. It's it's funny how it tries to retcon Superman as being like this benevolent force throughout the whole thing. He's like, man, <laughs> Superman was just trying so hard to do good. It's like, man, I saw that movie. Yeah. I saw that movie. <laughs> um, but uh, well, I, I like that they bring up like in his universe, Superman killed Zod, and they're like, yeah, and that was great for. And it's like. It was a very sad, tragic moment in Man of Steel. Wasn't it? <laughs> yes. it was like very mm-hmm. sad and depressing when that happened. Yes. But in this universe, I think it's like celebrated as like, a, thank God Superman was around to do that, you know, kind of deal. I kept so. honestly waiting for Superman to show up because they kept talking about, he's like, mm-hmm. oh, she's like, what did you do with them? He's like, we killed the infant. I was like, oh, it's, it is an infant. Ah, bummer. Mm. <laughs> I wanted Superman to be like, here I am, dudes. Um, but uh, uh, it is it is pretty wild that the third act of this movie takes place in another movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it actually was very similar. It reminded me a lot of um, Avengers Endgame for many reasons. Um, another uh, multiverse all, movie. Have, That's great. You have uh, endless CG creatures fighting on a gray, uh, desolate landscape. Um, <laughs> but also uh, you have this, a version of this character that like has no memory of, you know, a version of the enemy that like has not met the hero of the story. Right. Which right. Is, like, uh, so it, it varies in timey wimey time travel stuff is very similar to Avengers Endgame ending. But yeah, I thought it was, um, you know, all that stuff is basically in service of this idea that you can't change fate, you know, because we see Michael Keaton's and Kara Zor-El die again and again and again. 
Uh, and I thought that was like a cool, a cool way of like, we're bringing back, that was a cool thing where it's like, we're bringing back the end of Man of Steel, but it's not just so you can be like, hey, remember that? It's so they can make this point about like, and this is the place where those characters die. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Devendra, did you have any reaction to the Man of Steel stuff? What'd you think? I mean, I, I think it was good. I do remember us being pretty disappointed by the way Man of Steel wrapped up and also like the sheer amount of like collateral damage that was in that yeah. movie too. Yeah. And even yeah. this movie addresses that the beginning of Batman v Superman directly address that stuff too so i feel like they're always going to be thinking about that i like this stuff too um i also have to say i wish uh supergirl got to do more because i really liked her as an she's actor great. yeah she's, she's just like, like she has she has the like boldness of somebody she's a super person but doesn't doesn't have that idea that she has to protect us all because why should she <laughs> humans imprisoned her like it, <laughs> yeah. is, it is a very cool concept i think she's very good in this movie and she has yeah. good like banter with everybody emo else, so, supergirl yeah. is a cool idea yeah. I love it. Yeah. The, the, you know, I, I do have an issue with like, I don't think you needed both Supergirl and, you know, Batman in this. Like, yeah, I think it might've been stronger well, if you only had one of them, but you know, well, the, the, the idea is they built the, a, a version of the justice league in this right. movie, which mm -hmm. I thought right, was right. cool. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but putting that aside, I think the script just does so many smart things. Like, like mm -hmm. what I just said with the man of steel stuff. Also the idea of Barry Allen needing to interact with his younger self and also, him losing the powers to thing yourself that's just like a cool concept of like oh he they kind of have flash powers but like in an annoying way you know like, yeah and, and i like that's just all great chromatic tension stuff you know like, it's just uh, really shout smart out to the screenwriter thing. by the way christina hodson who did birds of prey and bumblebee mm. so yeah good stuff yeah, yeah. how yeah. many moments you know of just pure joy and laughter at, at, at that we we what happens is we actually get this movie sort of surreptitiously giving us a flash origin story yes you know it's like the, yeah. the coolest yeah. way to do a flash origin story and you know he's like reliving how he got his powers like i'm gonna go and take you to this moment we got we've never yeah. seen that cinematically before right? you know yeah very cool like the, the, it's a very smart script yeah and mm -hmm. and there's the all the fun we have of you know of goofy teenage barry allen messing around and discovering his powers and thinking they're cool and you know, accidentally going through the floor and then running back up with a pot over him. Yeah. It's like so, it's so much fun stuff there. Um, Did he do uh, phasing in the other movies? Because that feels yeah, like I a comic that. pull. That's but a yeah, comic. That pull. was cool. Yeah. That was cool when yeah. they zoomed into the subatomic level and they yeah. showed you what phasing yeah. is. Too. He's it's vibrating like, so fast. Yeah. He's going between the molecules. There, there yeah. was a bunch of moments there, like when he walks in with the, you know, with the girl he's trying to impress, mm -hmm. and you know, everything falls out, and I'm like. He would just super fast clean that up. Yeah. Like she wouldn't yeah. even notice that it fell out. Anyway. The only I'm one nerd. that would work is when he left. Like that one made sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, and, and, and yeah. we have to acknowledge like um the opening scene of this movie is awesome. Like the, awesome. when he saving the, the idea of saving the babies and each baby having a different peril, like it's just really like it's just yeah. such, it was a, pure, such a again, fun thing. Like I'm a, gonna yeah. I'm gonna use the word. It was very cartoonish because yes. it's like this baby, a bottle of acid. It's gonna <laughs> yeah. This baby yeah. has sharp things coming right to him. Like, what are you gonna do, Barry? It sets, it sets a good tone for the movie, which is I, like, I, don't yeah. don't take this too seriously. This is not like Zack yeah. Snyder's movie, you know. Like, I wish don't I take wish this too that whole thing looked better, but it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. And the idea of him basically cleaning up after Bruce Wayne, I think, is very relatable. <laughs> you know, like a, it, well, it, just, it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, just the moment where <laughs> where we see the you know the the window, the lady losing all yeah. the babies out the window. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it's huge just laugh like, from the audience, right? right. It's just yeah. like the audacity of the movie yeah. to just throw 15 throw a bunch of babies out a window. We're do hard boiled <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, in minute five. It's all hard boiled, the ending, you know? Um, 
do want to shout out the uh, I do like the idea of uh, of Kid Barry being in that time verse forever and basically becoming a weird old decrepit version yeah, of himself so cool. is also a really cool concept. Yeah. Oh, like it then, was it was amazing. Yeah. And what's yeah. great about it, so you know, at the beginning, uh Barry Allen is knocked out of the chrono bowl, right? Mm-hmm. By a, an unseen dark force. And you're like, oh, that's probably the villain of the story. Then like at the end of the movie during the Man of Steel stuff, you see Barry Allen start getting yeah. these like spikes in his arm and it's like he's like i'm cool with it and I the like, audience, the spikes. like you yeah. as the audience are like realizing what is happening it's like a mm-hmm. great moment where you're like oh that's what he's the villain of the story and um or at least satisfying. one antagonist yeah very satisfying because uh yeah. zod is not really in this movie much it's very weird as much as michael shannon is focused and is in the big battle like i would have liked a little more there too but uh i don't know um yeah i have one other nerdy plot hole that i occurred to me uh-huh. um i love i love the um the need need for nourishment need for calories because he's moving so quickly that he's uh-huh. going to burn through them and i love how when he's literally babies are falling through the air and he takes time like his first thought is you see him going for the baby and then he punches <laughs> through the yeah. vending machine and gets food and he's just stuffing his face there is a moment there where he looks at his watch and it <laughs> goes oh you're cool now and it's like how fast does the processing have to be on that watch <laughs> to change in real time when he's moving so quickly? Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, I you mean, know, you dumb, know, it's dumb. That's dumb. Later on in the movie, like young Barry Allen moves older Barry Allen really fast. And then older Barry Allen throws up and it's like, wind of all those babies thrown up. If he's he, moving he the ball super fast. He they talk that. about that. He specifically yeah. oh. doesn't move those babies fast. He could have saved them all fast but the whole point of that sequence was he can't move baby he puts one in a microwave because later yeah, he's like yeah. well you can move a microwave fast because it can hold up remember yeah a he person literally like he explains, explains that it exact to young point, fair enough. Yeah. okay fair enough but I, the, the, I, I, the setup and payoff to the throw up is also very good because you're remembering he's saying oh you moved me oh instant instant did, vomit did, well i yeah. guess i'm saying yeah. did he did he not move any other people in the course of the entire film that's kind of what i was i guess what it came to mind maybe that's, i don't know maybe if he's done that true. before it, maybe it was, true. It was great yeah. though like the, the smash cut of like batman kicking ass and then back to him going Bloom! it was <laughs> yeah, so, that was good that so was good. funny yeah but yeah i think you could tell like overall there's a lot of great things about this movie that like i understand why it's such a crowd pleaser it knocked me um, for a loop man i just i just could not believe how good it was i i yeah. had so much fun with it I would go see it again. I, I had a great time with it. I am not a crackpot, guys. Mm-hmm. But people need to stop bringing up Eric Stoltz's invective. <laughs> and but what a great way to signal you're yeah. in a different timeline. I, I just watched this Michael J. Fox documentary still, uh, which is a great documentary mm-hmm. on Apple TV+. Plus. Again, brings out the Eric Stoltz story. Eric Stoltz, you know, <laughs> Eric Stoltz was cast in, in Back to the Future, shot for several weeks before he was removed from the picture, and then Michael J. Fox took over. Um, I, I just feel bad for Eric Stoltz, man. Like, can you imagine <laughs> if, like, he's literally, fine. how do you know that? How do you know that, Jeff? You, you think he's wait, waking up at night going, they talked about me in The Flash. They talked about my greatest well, he, scar. He literally has you, you the think, timeline. You, you think where... that literally if like the number one thing you are known for in America is not being in Back to the Future, like that wouldn't Dude, get to you in some he's way? In a, didn't he get an Academy Award nomination for Elephant Man? Like he's, 
He's had a nice career, dude. <laughs> he didn't have Michael J. Fox's career. Is well, the thing. He wouldn't. That's, he that's he that's wouldn't have had Michael J. Fox's career <laughs> without, with Back to the Future either. I, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. But, well, anyway, I, I think it's just like it's it, you know unless they got Eric Stoltz's permission, which in that case, great. Like uh, that's awesome. He must but think it, it's funny at this. But point. if they didn't yeah. get their, if yeah. they didn't get you Eric Stoltz's to. permission, then that's kind of cold, man. To like. The, constantly be dragging out this thing from the, the past of like, hey, remember that time you got fired from one of the most beloved films of all time? You know? Okay. It was in okay. Pulp Fiction, you know? Michael <laughs> Fox can't say that. And before we wrap, I do want to say, I think the Christopher Reeve thing was weird. I it just, did oh, give yeah, me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a reminder of what uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife did, and I'm not a fan. Just not a fan. You, I, I understand the need to express it. Like, show a clip. Show a clip yeah, from one of those clip. movies. Don't have a weird... And they say it's archival footage, but it looks like a weird dead CG well, version. It looks like the terrible. It like looks like the terrible CG version. And literally, yeah. my audience erupted in applause. And well, uh, yeah, I mean, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's like, but it's like they're applauding a lifeless CG recreation of this dead yeah. person. You know, and it's like it. it the whole thing felt kind of dystopian. It's so weird. Um, so you guys don't watch Attack on Titan, but uh, Andy Machete is going to be directing the live action Attack on Titan movie, and that movie is all about those those th- that anime is all about these weird giants that look like humans, you know, destroying people. The CG characters, Christopher Reeves and a whole bunch of them, look like those monsters from Attack on Titan. They don't look human. It's it's kind of horrific in a way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. Um, I, I agree with you. You know, this I, I will tell you this that I'm not cool with uh-huh. is uh, people posting these clips from that scene in the movie on Twitter before the movie even came out as an attempt to kind of be like, look at look at this. It's it's terrible. Like the movie's terrible because it has it, and it's like, okay, you can. That's fine if you think that that it's terrible, but like, don't ruin the movie for me. Like, let people watch the movie and decide yeah. for themselves that it's bad. But like, don't ruin, don't try to like ruin the movie for them by posting clips like completely out of context in a way that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, not a fan. It is but funny yeah. that we don't object to George Reeve. He's just been dead longer. You know, he has. Uh, well, also apparently yeah. Christopher Reeve's estate gave permission for the usage they of his image to. in this way. Yeah. Right? So yeah. yeah. So you know. I, yeah. I agree with you. It, I don't like it. I don't like it when movies reanimate dead people. Um, that's just, uh, it sits poorly with me. And in general, it looks bad. And like, Adam have, West has passed away too. Like everybody in that sequence is dead except Nick it Cage. It is, but I think the Christopher Reeve <laughs> one looked the worst and we didn't see Adam West's face. We just saw him in the, in the, yeah, uh, in, in the, the ghetto. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah. uh, weird, Weird moment, but yeah, the, the Nicholas weird. Cage part was was great. Like I, I can't believe Incredible. they went for that. You know, Incredible, and it really showed like they're making it for, uh, they're making for this the movie for the nerds. You know, for the fans, yeah. like the people who've been following the saga of Batman and Superman for literal decades. Poor Brendan um, Routh though gets no love. Yeah, <laughs> poor Brendan Routh. Yeah. Oh what man. What was up with that? I'm sure. Rough. I'm sure he was available. He was you know, like, like what. I'll shoot stuff. You don't even have hey, to see guys, I'm making yeah, CW yeah. shows right now. Just have me come yeah, over you guys, to the studio. Uh, yeah. You guys want the... Anyway. Um, <laughs> nah, I'm sure he's fine. He seems like a nice dude. I've watched Again. a lot of interviews with him. He seems like such yeah. a decent guy. He seems like a nice guy, but I always wanted him to have a bigger career. I agree. Thing, so. yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna now, Jeff, because I'm going to make it my mission to contact Eric Stoltz to see how he feels about this. Do it. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I can't imagine he's not fine with it. Like The idea that he'd be harboring resentment from that... Yeah. I don't know. Really? You don't, you don't think that if someone brought up something that like from decades ago that, 
was like a, a fairly, he I'm sure, a fairly painful memory. By now. It's been yes. 30 like, years. So, yeah. 40. 40 years. Yeah. All right. I well, know. I guess uh, you guys are really better at moving on and forgiving and forgetting than me, it sounds like. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 40 years from now, you're going to bring up this conversation. Remember, remember 40 years ago when we had that episode and you guys disagreed with me about Eric Stoltz? I've held it in my heart ever since. Oh, All right. Man. Any other thoughts on The Flash? F- fun movie. Fun yeah. movie. What did you guys All think right. of the post credits I mean, it's like, I felt, it seemed to me that they may have uh, can, shot can a like, bunch more can Aquaman you stuff. it to me? Because I left. And oh. I was like, I'm not going back in that theater. I've it, kept, I've it's kept Barry <laughs> Allen and uh, and Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman is drunk, walking out of a bar, and Barry Allen's like, hey man, I gotta get you home. And he's like, okay, I don't know, you gotta need to go get more beer. And he falls, he falls on the ground, and there's a big puddle of water, and he falls face first into the water, and he's like, fine, because it's Aquaman. And, which is a cl- very funny idea. And, uh, uh, Barry Allen says, you can't stay here. This is not, this is not uh, your home. And he points at the water and he goes, this is my home. And that's pretty much the whole thing. Okay. But there is yeah, a, that's good. Yeah, it's just a jokey, fun scene. But there's a mm-hmm. moment where when they first come walking out, Aquaman says, so you're telling me that in every version of the universe, I'm still awesome? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're still awesome. Which made me think like there's, scenes that they cut out of this movie where he finds Aquaman, mm. you know, mm. Mm. but maybe I'm wrong. Man, I think he was making him feel good then. Maybe. I yeah. don't know. I did I appreciate it to be like the gold blonde <laughs> Aquaman walk out, but that didn't happen. I did appreciate that. One of the first ways that Barry Allen realizes something's wrong is when he calls Tom Curry played by Tamura Morrison from Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's like, hey, isn't your wife like the queen of Atlantis? And you're, I'm, I'm like, is there, are we about to see a Nicole Kidman appearance in, <laughs> in the flesh? And it's like, not Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah. And that, I thought that was very amusing. So, yeah, no, no aspersions on the woman playing his wife in this movie, but absolutely not. I feel absolutely like, not. Uh, you know, not the, not, not a better timeline for. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a funny. Is, is your wife the queen of the ocean? Cut to her. I was like, yeah, in my heart, yes. Because you want to, <laughs> yeah. you want to talk to my dog? <laughs> that was very funny. Well, at the end of the day, it's really impressive that Andy Muschietti made a movie. It's really impressive that this movie got released yeah. after so many years. I don't know if impressive is the word I would use. but Yeah. yeah. All right, folks. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Uh, our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me, David Chen, with video assistance provided by... Kurt Mega and John Barry. I do also want to call out patreon.com slash film podcast where you are listening to this review early if you are a patron. So thank, thank you. you so much to all the patrons who got this flash review early. You're awesome. Next week on the podcast, we are going to be doing double duty. Uh, on the main episodes, it's going to be Elemental, new Pixar movie. Uh, by the way, something we haven't talked about, guys. Maybe I'll bring this up in the main episode, but like, Disney really miscalculated premiering Elemental and Indiana Jones at the Cannes Film Festival this year. Yeah. Um, I think they were, were running off the high, riding off the high of, uh, you know, Tom Cruise and uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick. You know, last year they're like, oh, that did, that did well. So, like, it, it, we, can, we can do populist movies at, at Cannes Film Festival. And so they uh, released... They premiered those movies at the Cannes Film Festival. Both of them did terribly reviews-wise, uh, putting 
you know, got run tomato score in like the fifties and sixties for both of them. Then movies come out. A lot of people like these movies. Yeah. And uh, so it was just basically one of the Bad worst gamble. one of the yeah. worst marketing decisions of all time to put these movies at the Cannes Film Festival. I'm talking about Indiana Jones Five and Elemental. So my my initial uh, apprehension about Elemental has now transformed into I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and same thing with uh, Indiana Jones Five. Well, well not, let me tell you, much, I but... saw Indiana Jones last night, and I cannot wait to talk about it with you guys. <laughs> oh boy, I'm excited. So much to talk about. Awesome. I'm excited. Well, next week. Elemental is the main review. After Dark is going to be Asteroid City. Um, Devendra will join us for our review of Elemental, but he's going to be out for some of the other segments of the show. Mm-hmm. We wish him well. You'll be traveling, Devendra. Hope you have a wonderful vacation. Um, I hope so too. But traveling yeah. to New York with kids on the plane. Oh boy. Good Elemental luck. and then Asteroid City uh, and then soon after uh, a bunch of other big summer movies as well. So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Again, big shout out to our patrons at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. They are the reason we can keep doing this podcast and bring you reviews like this one early until next week. We'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>